1: Welcome, once again, to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Crage, alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on?
0: You tell me, sir.
1: Oh, so much is going on. What a weekend. What a wrestling weekend. It seems like every weekend now in wrestling is just absolutely insane. We had maybe a week off last week, which felt like it was kind of just calm, and now we have the whole... Goddamn WWE weekend, NXT weekend. We got indie shows in Toronto. We got the G one climax wrapping up. We got NWA announcing TV. It's just every minute, every day is just
0: madness here in this wrestling world. So, last weekend was um, Triple Mania and G one shows though. It wasn't that's really... true?
1: Well, that seems like a day off though. You know what I mean? Like only having to watch like what four shows or three shows or whatever was like ah. What do I do with the rest of my week? This is nice. So, yeah, and, and uh, we're going to talk about Triple Mania, too. We're going to lead the show off with Triple Mania after we do our little banter here. That was a hell of a show, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. But, uh, no, like a, a three-show weekend is, like, pretty good these days because, God, to keep up with whatever you're trying to watch this weekend is just going to be absolutely insane, especially, you know, nine-hour WWE show, the G1 finals, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm strapped in. Though. I mean, good wrestling is, is – it, it's hard to complain, though. It's like, hey, a lot of – probably good wrestling is going to happen. Maybe not on SummerSlam, but certainly TakeOver.
0: G1 is Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But the G1 final is like Monday afternoon in Japan because it's a holiday. So it really airs late Sunday night in most of the United States. So Sunday we'll have SummerSlam pretty much with G1 final right on the heels of it. After watching G1 early that morning and take over in G1 the night before. So yeah, there's a ton going on. Um, and then I guess there's, I guess there's a couple weeks where things slow down a little bit before the insane all out. That's not even a weekend. That's a day of three shows back to back to back with very little overlap between the three shows on the 31st with, um, Royal quest UK takeover and all out that's all on the same day. So that's not even spread out (laughs) over the course of a weekend. I mean that might almost be better because you know if you have a fucking wife or a girlfriend or something or kids or whatever the fuck. You know, you can just tell him to go away for a day. Right.
1: Sunday or Saturday is Dad's day. Just leave me alone. <laughs> just nobody talk to me. Nobody look at me. I'm just watching wrestling that day. Yeah, that 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 I would almost prefer that a little bit, where you can sort of say, "Hey, look, I will do whatever you want tomorrow. I will do whatever you want today, but <laughs> or whatever. But like, or, or I'll do whatever you want. You know, whatever day on Friday. But like, this is my day. Like, you know, this Saturday. Just leave me alone the whole day because yeah. I just want to watch wrestling the entire day. Here, so that, that it actually does work out a little bit better.
0: Here's my debit card. Just go away. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave the house. Okay? And, and and I got shit to do. And it's easier to do that, like you're saying, one day than saying, well, I got this thing Friday night. And then Saturday I got these two things. And then I'm staying up until 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. That's where it gets tricky when you're navigating around people. So that might not be the worst thing, having everything all happen in one day. But this weekend, um, yeah, this is a real hard one, especially – you know, if you're trying to watch all of it and watch all of it live, it's it's just there's just, you know, there's what, four New Japan shows, two WWE shows, um, you know, all crammed into the same 72 hour period. And uh, it, it is
1: kind of nuts. Yeah. And then one thing I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this New Japan schedule here. So like you said, and I, I maybe I don't know if I knew that off the top of my head that this was going to be running, you know, in, a, in an afternoon on, on Monday. So for us, for you and I, Joe, I think it's what, 1 a.m. Central Time. Is that show? So that's another weird time, too, because, like, what I've always liked about G1 finals is usually what I'll do is I'll just wake up at, like, 4 a.m. or whatever. Because, like, for me, it's kind of tough to, to stay up pretty late, so it's, it's easier for me just to get up early. My dogs are up anyway. People are messing around. So I would always get up at, like, 4 those days, and I'd be able to watch unspoiled the last few matches of the G1 final, including the final itself. But now you're at a point where it's like, all right, if, if you were going to watch SummerSlam, which, you know, obviously is professionals, we are, of course, going to watch SummerSlam, you, you would have to... Pretty much last all the way through SummerSlam. That shit's gonna end for us at what, ten PM? A little after ten PM. I mean, are you gonna go to bed for two hours or are you just gonna say, fuck it? All right, let's go. Like let's let's just go right away. And then like what are you doing? Go to bed at six A. M. after after, you know, a day of of not stop and like you said, you're watching the G one that morning, so it's uh it's tough being a wrestling fan these days. This sucks.
0: I'm gonna do the the G one final, I'm just gonna do it live. I think it's easier than um waking up early the next day or whatever i mean 1 a.m is not that bad so i mean it's that bad if you got to get up and go to work at 7 a.m um i don't have to do that yeah definitely
1: definitely a no-go for me unfortunately yeah the turn the one hour turnaround from the end of g1 to work is uh, i don't think it's it's gonna
0: be I i think it'll be over a little after four right it'll be a little over three hours right
1: it probably, four hours, yeah. Go
0: four It could go four hours. I it
1: guess. probably it might it might go four. Yeah.
0: You know what? It might go till five. That's rough. Then.
1: <laughs> that's what I um, mean. That's a bit, pretty big turnaround. I, I get up normally around five, so that'd just be G one over shower and then to work. So yeah, that's uh, I don't know if that's going to happen that way, but.
0: Yeah, that's rough. And SummerSlam. I mean, what's that going to start at? Like noon. And... Oh,
1: dude! With the, I, I think it's a two-hour pre-show. I want to say, and then yeah, four or five-hour main show. I mean, that thing is. I mean, of course, the the right idea is skip the fucking pre-show uh, and just watch the main show. But the main show itself is going to be four, five, six hours. So, yeah, that's going to always be a, a tricky one, too.
0: Yeah. And the day before is TakeOver. So it's, it's OK. So the Friday. There is no Friday G1 show. It's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So. The first G1, the Saturday G1 show, you can get that in in the morning when you wake up. That, uh, you know, before well before TakeOver arrives and then this the sunday g1 show the first sunday g1 show again you can get that in you wake up in the morning you get in that second block final and you can finish that before SummerSlam. even the pre-show if you had to but again this is why i'm saying i'd rather have it all in one day this is a lot of fucking this is a this is your saturday and sunday morning and night occupied if you're trying to watch this stuff and
1: Hell, Friday night if you want to watch Ring of Honor. I mean, Ring of Honor's got the, the summer supercard I know airing uh, live that day. We'll talk I about that a little bit later that. too. So, so yeah, I mean, so also. if you really want to, if you're really the completest, you got Friday as well. So
0: that's true. I didn't. even I forgot about that. So yeah, well, a
1: lot of people did. So don't worry very true. It.
0: So I mean, you know, something's got to give, and you know what's going to give, and that's Ring of Honor. You know that that's what people are going to blow off. Um. But the thing about a weekend like this is you cannot allow yourself to fall behind. If you fall behind, you're fucked. You're not going to watch this shit until Wednesday if you fall behind. Because something else is on immediately. You got to watch the next thing. And if you miss a show or two, when the the fuck are you going to watch them? Because then you're missing something else if you watch it a couple hours later. So you're really not catching up. It's just a lot of shit. So two shows Saturday, you do G1 Takeover Saturday, G1 SummerSlam and then G1 again on on Sunday. So and if you're doing the Ring of Honor Friday, yeah. So basically from Friday night until the sun comes up on Monday morning, you could be basically watching a wrestling show. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's silly.
1: What a stupid thing we all watch and, and do. But it's, I guess, you know, from the one standpoint, like I said, it is it is it is good there's a lot of good wrestling. And and, and for people in Toronto, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. We're not going to get into super detail on each show. But, I mean, there's stuff going on, like, as we're recording this, we're recording this on a Wednesday. Stuff has already started. OWE had a show earlier today. Uh, and stuff is pretty much going on every single minute of every single day uh, in Toronto Live. So it's a, it's a hell of a wrestle, uh, wrestling weekend. And it, it, in a lot of ways, it's kind of mimicking uh, a WrestleMania. Any weekend, And like I said, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later when we talk about some of the cards and some of the matches that are coming up. I mean, this looks like a hell of a weekend uh, to be there live on the ground in, in, in Toronto. would have been great to see some of these matches and some of these shows uh, at WrestleMania weekend as well. So and, and maybe we'll see that in the future.
0: I mean, they tried to create that. Um, I mean, there's shows Wednesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon, like all afternoon long. Um, but the ticket sales were horrendous.
1: Right. So I guess I guess it's a good time to have that discussion, too, that uh, the attempt to (laughs) recreate uh, WrestleMania weekend did not quite work as well, which a sort of indicates a lot of people might not fly in for SummerSlam where they might for WrestleMania weekend. And it might be what do you do you buy into the idea that maybe this was kind of a test run? And it's like, all right, cool. Now that we if we establish that these things run on SummerSlam weekends, then maybe people will be more inclined to travel during SummerSlam weekend. Or do you think that the summer is just so full with people doing other stuff that it's 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 not easy to ask people to fly in for this and, and and do the show starting Wednesday all the way through, you know, God, Tuesday, if you want to go to SmackDown, too.
0: Well, I mean, I'll be honest here. You know, it, it, they're not really presenting things to me that are draws. I mean, OWE is, is, is clearly a niche of a niche of a niche. And even the AEW exposure has really only been Shima because they haven't been able to bring over the Chinese wrestlers yet, which are working in Toronto, they have not been able to get into Canada. They haven't been able to get the Chinese wrestlers into the United States. So as far as the OEW exposure through AEW, it's really just been Shima and one match with Lindemann and um, and Tiok. So it's like that. That hasn't. That's not a draw. WXW did very poor at WrestleMania, so I don't see why they thought it would do well. SummerSlam. Uh, that show was a, 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 a huge disappointment. WrestleMania weekend from a business perspective. And, you know, Smash, you know, there, it doesn't seem to be a promotion that people are willing to travel to go see. So, and the rest of it is really small time stuff. I mean, you know, no one's traveling to, to see Rise or Femme Fatales. I mean, let's be honest. So what you have here is a bunch of stuff that I didn't think would draw and it didn't. So I don't know if this is a good test case for whether you can run a SummerSlam weekend the way that you do a WrestleMania weekend because I don't think you have the right promotions there for that to be a good test. When I look at this lineup, you know, yeah, progress is there. And they weren't at WrestleMania and they were here. Uh, But then again, progress just toured across the United States just last year. So, it's like, I I, I don't know, I, I don't see what was presented as being anything that I would have expected to draw to begin with. So, I don't think we get any answers as to whether SummerSlam weekend could be like another, but this was, someone was going to try this. Because WrestleMania weekend just keeps on expanding and growing. And it was inevitable that this was going to be attempted. But, on top of promotions that I just don't see as being huge traveling draws. It, it, I mean, it had le- it wasn't promoted very well either. Cause this did not have a ton of buzz. So I think there was a lot working against it and I'm not surprised. I mean, you look, I mean, Puma Kings, Lucha vacation.
1: I- <laughs> oh, come on. You don't want to go to Puma Kings, Lucha vacation,
0: which I on. think is running right this second. I mean, uh, that- as we
1: record this, yeah, I believe it is happened. We'll give you live updates as they happen. We're not going to do that, but,
0: yeah, but, I mean, that tells you that they're trying to copy, you know, a lot of the successful ideas that are being done at WrestleMania weekend. And, you know, it just – for whatever, you know, it's just – I don't I don't think a lot of this stuff, um, you know, was, was going to draw a lot of out-of-towners. And, and you're asking a lot for locals to give – you know, to call out of work Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday afternoon uh, and go to wrestling three days in a row. So – you know, I don't know. I'm not – are you terribly surprised that these things didn't draw very well?
1: Uh, not really. And and the reason I'm really not is because, like you said, the promotions seem pretty low. And I don't know if that's just because – I like, I. if there's somebody that's listening and, and you live locally in Toronto, I'd, I'd love to hear if there was a little bit more of a local push because there wasn't really much of an international push as far as I know. Like, I – it really wasn't until this week that I really kind of sat down and said, okay, what's going on this weekend? I know there's a few other shows and I was like, oh shit, there's like this show. Oh crap. There's this show. Like we, we put an article up on the website, Ricardo uh, at voice arresting.com put together the schedules for, for everybody early this week. And I'll be honest. I didn't know half these shows were even running. I knew that OWE was coming over. I know that smash was doing some stuff, but I don't know that I knew the extent of the matches really. And that's, that's not good. Like that is obviously not the point whatsoever. You want to promote the stuff. You want people to know that it's occurring. So Again, I'm not sure if, if that was something that maybe internationally they just said, all right, look, we're not going to get the fly-ins, but let's make sure everybody in Toronto and everybody in that area knows about these shows and comes. I'd be curious about that, but I'm led to believe, judging by, you know, sort of our – when we use the the meter or whatever, that this stuff's pretty low. And 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 no, it wouldn't surprise me that they're not attending well because it's just it, – it, it it's tough. And I think more than anything, too, this year – it feels like and it's been going on for the last few years as well. But this year, particularly with AEW becoming this big time, big event promotion company, you know, company, whatever the hell you want to call it at this point. Like it's they're 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 asking a lot of people from flying in across the country. Like if you have let let's 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 do the math. So if you were fan hardcore fan X and you were going to go to all the quote unquote big shows this year, you're talking about you went to WrestleMania weekend. You maybe went to double or nothing. You're probably going to go to all out. You, you know what I mean? Like we're talking about now, it's like more and more and more of this where, you know, WrestleMania weekends of years past, it was like, all right, here's this one weekend, everybody can travel and it's this one big show and that's it. And then WWF going to come to your town and, you know, impact, God, Yeah, doing the Boys, this summer on, on Patreon, I keep saying WWF. So, you know, they're coming to your town. Uh, Whoever is coming to your town, Ring of Honors coming to your town, you could pretty much just wait for people to come to your town. But it has felt like this year and maybe even a little bit last year too, there were so many, hey, We're running a show here, and if you're a big wrestling fan, you're going to come to this show. You're going to travel to the show. So I feel like it might be asking a lot to say, okay, hey, also SummerSlam. Oh, yeah, and then three weeks, you're coming to All Out, and then a week after that. like It it feels like if you're that fan, if you're that hardcore fan, you have to be tapped out at some point, right? You
0: have Dallas for G1, too.
1: Oh, geez, right. And That's what, three weeks ago at this point, right? Three, four weeks ago.
0: You got all these AEW shows, and then. You know, Washington, D.C., which is going to get a lot of fly-ins for that, and the Dallas G1, WrestleMania. So, yeah, I mean, there's just – I didn't think this lineup is attractive enough to get people's money that are already doing all of that. So, yeah, that, that's definitely a factor, too.
1: All right, so we'll get to more of those uh, in a bit after we recover some other stuff. We wanted to at least touch on it at the beginning here, but uh, like I said, we'll, we'll kind of touch on each show and talk about a l- some of the big matches and some of the stuff that we might be looking forward to if – you know, if we get to watch it, which is another question that we'll have in a little bit as well. But Joe, as I said, we are starting the show. As we, I was a yearly tradition for us is to dust off the lucha and celebrate Triple Mania. AAA's Triple Mania. Joe, before we go kind of go match by match and all the big stuff, what do you think overall of this year's Triple Mania?
0: Yeah. So um, we, you know, I'm Rich is a tremendous editor, and I'm sure he chopped it all out, but. Um, I had to take a short break there because i had a, a an emergency uh I had to go take care of some uh i had to take a shit, Rich.
1: Really <laughs> number bad. 2. You went number 2 in, in the potty. You went number 2 in the potty is what you're trying to say. An,
0: yeah, i mean people probably heard me struggling through that first segment. I, I was wondering,
1: say, yeah, i don't know if you were uh yeah, if you were like tired or whatever, but you feel much better now. You sound much better. It's it's,
0: it's Well, yeah, really i mean i i wasn't on my game in that first segment because i kept i kept <laughs> farting and it was like, they were dangerous ones. You know what I mean? Like
1: Right on the edge. Right on the edge. I know. Yeah. That's...
0: Yeah. I don't want to really let loose on these because it might be a disaster. And I was like, you know what? I just, it's coming. I got to take, we got to take a break. There's no way I'm making it through three hours. So I said, Rich, listen, I got to take a break and I, I got to go take care of this. So I went and took care of it. And now there's a, there's a pep in my step. Like I feel – I'm feeling light.
1: <laughs> you're five pounds um, lighter. I'm, yeah, you're, you're, you're feeling good.
0: Yeah, I don't have this pre- – I'm not worried. Like I don't feel this uh, pressure in my fucking intestines. I don't – you know, I, I, had, I had some bowel issues there. So they're taken care of and uh, we're going to put that first segment behind us. And I got my energy back. And uh, so Triple Mania. I thought Triple Mania um, – you know, normally, taking a nasty diarrhea shit would be a perfect setup for a triple mania segment,
1: right? <laughs> right. I was gonna say, but
0: not this year.
1: Not at all. No.
0: Even you know, like, okay. So I I loved it was like a the two bookends. I loved the opener. I loved the main event. The middle was kind of a mixed bag. Um, I didn't love anything in the middle. The middle was it was fucking triple A. A lot of plunder a lot of just fucking wild action, a lot of utter nonsense. So that's my overall big picture take on Triple Mania. Love the bookends, very much AAA, everything in between.
1: Right, and I think one of the things that I I enjoyed about the show, because I I enjoyed watching it too, is um, it wasn't necessarily the – because a lot of times I get entertainment from Triple Mania – from how bizarre it is and how ridiculous it is and how stupid it is and all that sort of stuff that didn't really quite happen this year. What I would say is the thing that I liked about this year, like you said, everything was just like, there was two really good. There was two matches that I really, really enjoyed really honestly three. If you want to add it, well, we can add you know another one in there too. That was just enough of a, uh, an intrigue match to me. The Ken Velasquez match wasn't necessarily a good match, but a match that like, I was interested in. I want to see how he, how he did. I want to see how the crowd reacted. I want to see all that sort of stuff. So, so that was like, maybe not a technically great match, but a one that I really enjoyed. But like you said, the opener was, was fantastic. And you're talking about not the, I guess it was the dark opener, correct? I don't know if it
0: was a pre-show match.
1: Right, so okay, so the pre-show opener. When we're saying that, because people might be thinking you're talking about, the, you know, the mixed tag match, which I don't think you thought would. I Maybe I'm wrong, but did you think that one was fantastic? Or are you talking about the, no, the dark like, opener between all the flippy dudes going nuts and going? I like didn't crazy. like. Yeah. I didn't
0: like the mixed tag match at all. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. That, that's
1: that's what I assume. So just in case people got mad, that's what he meant by opener is is kind of the pre-show opener. So yeah, I'm way with you on that. Where that pre-show awesome, the main event awesome, the King Velasquez match interesting enough to kind of you know sink your teeth into even if it wasn't like technically very good and then everything else kind of bordered around i don't want to say like good but like fine You, you know everything was like entertaining enough nothing seemed like it really overstayed its welcome everything at least had enough entertainment value to keep my interest and keep me watching the show even if it didn't reach like great status and it also didn't reach like the disaster status that some triple manias do because sometimes and, and that's another fallacy as well is that like you know triple manias there was that what was that one maybe three years ago where i, I think i have the timer maybe it's three or four years ago or whatever where it was like it's like well renowned is like one of the worst shows ever it's like an absolute disaster for triple mania and like you watch like the the botchamania clips and you're like haha that's funny but like watching it for three hours was infuriating it was awful to watch live it was just like not enjoyable whatsoever it was so bad that it it went past fun bad and into just like annoying bad. And you just wanted to turn it off. Whereas this, like, I I think this year just had a pretty good balance of like, everything was fine to good. And then the great stuff was, was really, really, really good.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, There, there was some stuff on the show that I definitely did not like. And I don't think I'm as high on the show as some other people. I'm seeing some people throw around show of the year contender. I'm not anywhere close to it. No, that that's
1: insane. <laughs> you need to I don't yeah, no.
0: Well, I didn't know what you thought. I thought maybe God, you might I mean
1: know. I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed it for my 3 or 4 hours or whatever, but show of the year, Jesus, no way.
0: There's too, close. T- there was too much stuff on this show that stunk for me to call it a show of the year contender. But um I mean, the Pantheon of Recent Triple Manias, it's it was probably the one I enjoyed the most. And you know, I've been keeping an eye on Triple A this year. I've probably watched more Triple A this year than I have in years. Um, And I don't know if that contributed. I don't think it did because most people enjoyed the show on some level. I didn't see anyone say that was terrible or I didn't see anyone review this in the same light that they've reviewed some of the ones from from the past few years that were just atrocious. So I think overall, in general, it was a positively received show. I I, the the show of the year talk and stuff like that, I that I think is a bridge too far for me. And it sounds like you agree.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's not quite there. Yeah, there was, you know, the, the, the main event, which we'll talk about here in a sec, is really good. I mean, to me, it's a little bit it, – it, it, was, it was pretty under match of the year, and there's a reason why, and, and I'll kind of bring that up when we review that match. And, and like, the opener, as you said, the, the, the pre-show opener was awesome. Like, just insane – you know, six dudes just doing insane shit for, you know, 10 minutes or whatever, but nowhere near, like, a, a match that would really be on my list, you know, or anything that I would kind of bring up later at the end of the year or whatnot. So without that, without, like, a true match that would consider that and, and, and a lot of, like you said, a lot of two-star, a lot of three-star, a lot of stuff that was just okay but not great – Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty far off from a show of the year for me.
0: Yeah. Well, do you want to start with the main event or do you want to start – yeah, let's do
1: that. Let's let's start main event because I think that'll be a, a, a good way to go. So that's mask versus hair. Uh, it's Blue Demon uh, Junior. <laughs> he didn't do it. Did you listen to the English commentary at all? I listened. No? To Eng-
0: I listened to the English all the way through. Why wasn't Stryker saying Blue Demon Junior? Demon.
1: He went with Triple Mania a lot of times, unfortunately, but he didn't go with Blue Demon, and I was like, what the fuck? Like I was so ready for it. Like that was one of my great old jokes of the Lucha Underground was the Blue Demon. So then I get ready, and he goes, ah, we're here for Triple Mania, and I'm like, oh, Matt Striker's on it. His- game let's go baby and he's trying to do like horrible spanish and he's talking about his puerto rican girlfriend that he used to have and i'm like oh here we go and then he just said blue demon and i was like what (laughs) i was waiting i was salivating to make fun of Matt Stryker for saying blue demon and he just said blue demon i couldn't believe it
0: don't forget that he also challenged everyone on the internet to fight (laughs) him at the airport (laughs) that is the most gotten to man just close the twitch chat room man like just chill come fight me at the airport he said um, and with all of that said, the commentary this year was light years ahead of the, of the commentary in years past.
1: Oh, so uh, Dombrowski, uh, Joe Dombrowski, which seems like a fake name for like a Polish, like, like, I, I think I know, I think I grew up with a kid named Joe Dombrowski, but uh, no, it might be the same guy. I don't know. He did an awesome job. He did really uh, filling in the gaps. And I think that helped Matt Stryker because because one of those guys that's prone to, to really falling off the rails if his partner falls off the rails. But in the like Vampiro every single year. Vampiro, it's off the rails quickly. He's farting, he's falling asleep. He's 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 messing with people on Twitter or whatever. And Stryker will kind of fall into that. But if you don't let Stryker fall into that and you kind of be the straight man to striker, whatever the hell he's gonna be, it ends up being pretty good. Cause like we, we make fun of Matt Stryker a lot, and, and I do, and he gets on my nerves a lot of times, but I love the passion that he brings to to a commentary. I feel like he enjoys what he's watching. And I think he tries to project that. Like, hey, I'm watching this and it's a lot of fun and, and you should be having fun watching it as well, which is cool. I like that in my commentators. I like somebody that's, you know, Excited. I like somebody that's happy. I like somebody that wants to be there. So I'm always going to be in on Match Stryker, even if there is some things that kind of annoy you. But like you said, and 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 you know, like has happened in years past, if the other guy is horrible, the other guy is just dragging things down, then Stryker can kind of fall into their game a little bit. But in this case, Nebraska was kind of the the, the straight man to Match Stryker, and it, and it actually ended up being a pretty good uh, pairing between the
0: two. Stryker just has a real wide range. He can be really good, and he can be the worst announcer you've ever heard. I don't. There's. I don't think there's anybody with with that wide with his wide of a range. And I don't even think he was good here. I think he was pretty bad, honestly. But he wasn't nearly as bad as he's been in years past. And, and Dombrowski is a guy. He really reminded me of Rich Bocini calling Dragon Gate in that here's a guy who doesn't know the product, um, and you know he did a crash course and came in and did a serviceable professional job. And That is just a a massive 1,000 times upgrade from when Vampiro was in that booth. So, yeah, I mean, I I wasn't tempted. In past years, I didn't want to switch off of the English because it was so bad that you had to listen. This year, I wasn't tempted to switch off the English because it was, I mean, you know, it was totally inoffensive. And, and, you know, it didn't bother me at all. And I just left it on. So, uh, Dombrowski... Uh, Definitely a decent job. But how about Vampiro? Basically, he did everything he could to give away the surprise that he was in, that he was actually on the show, by telling people that he was going to be there. Like, why didn't he just keep quiet, like, to the lead up?
1: Because he's a moron. (laughs) He's an well,
0: idiot. It's a rhetorical question.
1: All oh, right, okay. I didn't know if you wanted an answer or not,
0: But so. it's like he he basically – he did everything he could to attempt to give away the surprise that he was going to end up being on the show by telling people he was going to be on the show and then he doesn't show up in the commentary booth. So it's like I wasn't thinking about it, but I'm sure there was other people who pieced it together and said, oh, well, he must be showing up at some point on this show because he said he was going to be there. But then again, it's Vampiro. So maybe nobody – bought. maybe people just thought he was talking shit. Who knows? I'm just glad he wasn't in the booth. So uh, anyway, that's the commentary. As far as the main event goes, Blue Demon Jr., as expected, retains his mask against Dr. Wagner Jr., who, uh, you know, grew out his hair in recent months, which might be a little (laughs) tip-off, too. What's going on? You know, if you needed more a of a tip-off fucking...
1: that Blue Demon probably wasn't going to unmask on this night, uh, yeah, Dr. Wagner growing the long locks. <laughs> and All of he definitely looks a lot he... better with shorter hair and knows he looks a lot better with shorter hair. Uh, and usually has shorter hair, yeah, decided to let the uh, let the hair grow a little bit there. So
0: All of a sudden, he had a very new and bad haircut, so um, he kind of figured that was getting shaved off. Um, look, this was a very enjoyable spectacle. Very bloody. Uh, Dr. Wagner Jr. coming out in white gear, which we knew what was going to happen. <laughs> when, it, it's like the old. Uh, it's like when guys would come out, at, you know, on old in old territory shows. Right. Wearing a white shirt. You're like, oh, well, I know what's coming. You know, it's like eh, what other reason does, you know. Hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert have to be wearing. <laughs> oh, he would all,
1: He was he was the master of that. Like, yeah, a white button up shirt. You're like, oh boy, this thing is yeah, going to be like soaked a, in blood and ripped up in, in two seconds. Yeah,
0: white golf shirt and like white track <laughs> pants. You're like, okay, <laughs> we're getting an angle. Um, so that, you know, same thing. Like, you know, Ric Flair, a white button up or something. Yep, he's bleed. He's blading. Um, so Doctor Wagner Jr. comes out with his white gear, and uh, they didn't waste any time getting to the blood.
1: Oh, he's he's literally bleeding like a minute and a half into this match. Like it is immediate. I don't even remember exactly what the spot was, but he's just bloody right off the
0: bat. Yeah, and you know they crowd brawled and and um, look, I it's supposed to be a big heated match where one guy's mask is on the line, the other guy's hair is on the line. I don't mind it. You know that that's a situation where I don't mind it. And this match kind of lost its way and on the back end a little bit with uh, with some of the, the shenanigans, but. It is triple A, and you got to under, you know, and, and you, you got to take that into consideration. You got to know what you're watching, but at the end of the day, I thought, you know, knocking him out with the fucking brick was just <laughs> so absurd. It was awesome, and you know, so that that looked great with the brick just exploding. Yeah, obviously it's a gimmicked brick and all that, but that's fine. Um, you know, he, 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 so he knocks him out with the brick, and uh, I just thought that was so cool. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I thought this was a very enjoyable brawl slash spectacle. And, um, yeah, it it definitely creeped its way into the old notebook. I went four flat on this. And um, it it was, look, a shockingly entertaining match, considering that coming into it, it's Blue Demon Jr. No one expects, you can't expect a great match out of it. I don't know what I expected out of this. I don't know if I necessarily ex- had expectations that it would be bad, but I definitely didn't have expectations that it was going to be good. So it exceeded my expectations, and it was pretty good, and it was a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I'm right. I'm, I'm four right with you there, four on the dot for me. And, and and you know, the, the image that I'll always remember of this match is Blue, blue Demon putting in the Fujiwara armbar, on Wagner and they're both bleeding buckets and, and blue demon is just rearing back on this Fujiwara armbar, And just like the ring, the screen, his back, his mask, his face, like it's just blood. It is just, it's a, an image that I will never forget. And it was, it it got like mildly uncomfortable at a certain point. Like I, I don't usually mind blood, but this was like, blue demon was just like, Fuck, he was just like he'd bend down and you just see it streaming out of his head. And I was like, oh boy. But it like you said, it, it's one of those things that, like, if this was the second match on the show, you'd be like, all right, what are you guys doing? Like th- th- you don't need to do this. But it being these two guys, it being the main event of Trip Many, it being this company, it being those guys. I mean, that, that was it, it, was worth it to do that. It was, it was a smart idea to do it, and it added so many more stakes, and it made it just that much more, you know, entertaining and, and, and that much more dramatic. To me though, I was I was ready. When that Fujo arm was going on, I was like, dude, I am in. This match rules. Like this is this is I'm I'm loving it. I'm I'm buying in. The crowd's buying in. Like everybody was excited. And then the thing that really took me away from it, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit there, is you had the referee shenanigans and like half of it was the, the normal shitty triple A referees are, are incompetent assholes thing. And sometimes they're heels or whatnot. But then there was also like this guy actually fucked up too. I asked a few people, Hey, is this guy just being a heel or is he actually fucking up? And they kind of said "Ah, a little bit of both. Like there was a point where he didn't count a two, uh, a, a, a near fall because someone's shoulder popped up. He was supposed to get pulled out of the ring by, someone and then didn't get pulled up like there was just a few like four or five things that happened like i think dr wagner taps out but he just acts like he didn't see it or there was just a bunch of stuff that happened one by one and after the other some i said like some intentional of him being kind of the dickhead heel uh, referee and then some him being like an actual incompetent <laughs> referee and then kind of screwing up and just kind of taking away from the moment a little bit really dragged me down because Joe, I was there. I was like four and a half. I was four and three quarters. I was thinking, man, this is great. This is awesome. It's gonna definitively end. And then there was just too much too much shenanigans at the end for me. Too many guys interfering, too many things running in, too many, too much stuff like that. Like you said, it all kind of got together with the center block, but but that stuff did kind of hurt for me. And and like you said, I, I, know, I know what I'm watching when I watch AAA. I know that this stuff k- kind of happens, but I can also be fair in my ratings, too. I'm just saying, hey, look, it just didn't hit me on that level because of all this bullshit. It was there, but they just kind of lost me, and and, and they kind of got me back to the center block, but not all the way.
0: An interesting discussion here. Star ratings and why they stink, right? But it's like we all do them, and it's like kind of have to do them. Here's why they stink, though. Take this same exact match, the same match, move for move, and put it, I don't know, on the SummerSlam card. You going four stars on this? Yeah, I would say so. See, I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I think think the promotion, it's sort of like, and Dave Meltzer talks about this sometimes, where he says, he admits that he grades on a curve because he goes easier on WWE matches and he goes a little harder on New Japan matches because of the environments and the expectations and those sorts of things. And it's like in AAA, I overlook that they blew the spot and forgot to pull the ref out of the ring. And he just looked like a goof, not counting three because he was waiting for someone to yank him out of the ring. I overlook that there's a ref bump in every single AAA match. I overlook that. Um, you know, triple a matches aren't the cleanest work matches in the world. And they're, they're very sloppy and um, there's no psychology to speak of it. They're just train wrecks. A lot of the times, not always, but most of the time, because that's the house style and that's what triple a is. You know what I mean? You understand what I'm getting at? And it's like, if this were a WWE show, same exact matches, move for move. I don't think it's getting praised the way it's getting praised. So my question to you is, is that fair and is that right? Are we hypocrites? Or yeah, the, the promotion and, the, and all of that does matter and it does make a difference and it should matter. And be- because this is what AAA is, this was a good AAA show. And no, it wouldn't be a good New Japan show because that's, uh, that's not what New Japan is. Am I making sense or not?
1: No, yeah, I, th- I think when it, when you ask me that question, I'm I'm thinking that these guys are also built the same way they are. They're, they're revered the same way they are. People love them the same way they do. But but if you're saying like this exact same match with these exact guys put on, you know, the Toronto SummerSlam show, then no, because the, the, the you know these guys aren't as well known or whatever. They, they, the crowd doesn't have that same connection. So I I see what you're saying a little bit. Like in a vacuum, no, maybe this isn't a match that does. But but I do think that and and, and, and kind of I guess to your point is that it not matter. Guess, a lot. Okay, does. See, yeah, go ahead.
0: I don't even, I don't even mean it from that perspective where, okay, these guys wouldn't be over in front of WWE fans. I mean it from the perspective of, would this be an acceptable match from a working standard if it happened in WWE or New Japan, or would we be shitting on it because of all the screwed up spots you talked about and the walk and brawl aspect of it. And, and, you know, it, it's like, cause I'll admit I gave that stuff a pass I, on this entire show. I give, I give, gave all of that stuff a pass. Some of these ref bumps and refs, it's just utterly ridiculous. We'd be burying this a thousand feet under the earth if this were a WWE show, right or wrong? I, I, at least I would be. Maybe you disagree. No, no,
1: I see. I absolutely see what you're saying. I mean, it, it, the context matters. The context of the company yes. that you're wrestling in matters. The context of, of what that house style is matters because no two companies are really. Exactly the same, and stuff that happens in Japan, that happens in America, that happens in Mexico, that happens in Europe—like it's all different. It's all about atmosphere, type thing. Like, you know, a great match th- to, to bring up this example is—I was watching the OTT, uh, the last match between Star and Walter uh, back maybe about a month or so ago—and there was some interference spots. Like, I don't. Have you watched the match? I don't want to spoil anything. I haven't, for seen, you, it I haven't, you haven't seen, seen it yet. You haven't seen it? Do you care if I kind of mildly spoil it for you? Or... I know,
0: I I know the idea and what goes on. So
1: okay, so, so so it's like Jordan De- like Star gets. The disqualification victory, and he's fine with it because he's been Dying to beat Walter all these years or whatnot, so so he's fine with it. The crowd goes nuts, everybody's into it. Like, a that finish would just be utter shit if it was done in most other places, but given the context of the story and given that crowd, they wanted David Starr to win so badly they didn't even care if he won by DQ or whatever. But then Jordan Devlin comes in and says, no, 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 you know, don't win it that way. Win him, you know, win it legit or whatever. And then Starr, because of Devlin's out there, he gets got a little bit distracted and he gets his ass kicked by Walter and loses again for the twenty fifth time or whatever it was exactly. I forget the exact number. And like in any other context, I would be bearing the fuck out of a, a match like that you know what i mean like in WWE, which they've probably done this exact finish a bunch of times but it doesn't have the the the, the hype behind it. it doesn't have the crowd investment behind it. it doesn't have the the 23 matches that preceded this to make that story work or whatever so yeah it, context is always going to be important it, it, you can never kind of plop one match from one company down in another company and just assume that it's gonna be the same across the board. So maybe to your point that is kind of silly then when, when, you, when you grade it, but I've always just kind of graded on that curve. I've always kind of said, all right, look, I gotta call a spade a spade. And, and, and in a lot of cases with this, and, and the reason why I said it really hurt me that these ref bumps happen is because or, or the ref screw-ups happened is it, is it wasn't all one hundred percent the refs being an asshole heel. If it was a hundred percent that, I would say you know what, Joe, like you said, I'll let that go. Whatever. That's what the refs in Triple do. But this is like him actually fucking things up and right, like him right, right, right. actually not getting pulled out of the ring or whatnot. And that like I think is across the board universal of like, no, this guy just fucked up, and that's something that that is going to take a match down. Okay, is, so you so that you sort did of stuff happening.
0: So you did mark it off for that. You took that. I ahead. did.
1: Yeah, because it wasn't like I said, it wasn't. Normal triple A storytelling of the ref. There was a few, like the, I think Wagner tapped out, and the referee just said, ah, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm just forget that. I'm not gonna count it. I don't care. Like that stuff is whatever. But not getting pulled out of the ring, not counting the the two call, the, the two count, because like some guy's shoulder was a kind of up, like just kind of getting in the middle of the the, the match and sort of slowing things down by his own screw ups or whatnot, or the screw ups of, of uh, you know, uh, Demon's seconds or whatever. Like that, that hurt the match for me because it was, it, those were just natural. Screw ups, those weren't into the story. That's not triple A screw ups, those are just screw ups that would happen and in, in any promotion,
0: right? Yeah, um, I don't know. I just think that for me, it's like I definitely either overlook, ignore whatever word you want to use a lot of shit when I watch a triple A show that I would bury like almost any other company for.
1: Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, and one I- thing to look at, and <laughs> honestly, it's it's this. Today is a good time to talk about it is and we're going to talk about a little bit later like the will osprey kenta match and i know you were ready to go on a rant about it and and maybe we'll wait save for that for later but like kenta slips on the ropes once people are like ah this guy's done this guy sucks like he's over whereas like this show i mean jesus christ you had had four or five like legit like oh my god that person might be dead botches in every single match but it's like triple a so you're like oh whatever who cares next man like you know next person up like who cares next man so that's one of these things whereas like that match like the kenta will osprey one thing didn't go exactly to plan and people were like oh geez these guys oh geez can't the, he's done or whatever whereas like on this show yeah it would have been insane if like you know if if this amount of botches and this amount of screw-ups happened on a g1 show on the g1 final people would be bearing that the left and right because it's just not typical for that whereas triple a it is typical to have you know at least once a match like oh geez well that probably wasn't supposed to happen but whatever who cares
0: <laughs> it, it's funny because i think as we go through the show it's like the, the screw-ups in this match i kind of overlooked and ignored and it didn't bother me but yet there's other matches i'm thinking about now where they did and i'm going to talk about them. i don't know it's weird it's just i think at least for me i just set my expectations differently in terms of what i'm you know of what i'm going to get when i watch different promotions and it really stands out because AAA is so extreme in that way that it really stands out when I watch AAA. So uh, I just don't think, at least for me, and that's why I was asking you, I don't think that when I think about rating these matches, I'm not doing it in a vacuum. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I I'm definitely adjusting for the promotion and my expectations and all of those things. And that's why it's all just so dumb, you know. And 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 a lot of times it's it's hard to do, and it, it, it's unfair. And 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 why I'm constantly struggling with myself and trying to move away from it. But you just you really you really can't. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, did you watch any of the post match uh, of this where Doctor Wagner retired and then uh, <laughs> the next day unretired because he has a bunch of bookings still left to go? So.
0: Yeah, I did, and and I'm watching him retire and everything, and then you know, like <laughs> Cubs fan is tweeting out he's booked tomorrow. <laughs> right against the same opponent, like, so we'll find out real fast if, you know, so. I
1: think he's got bookings for like the next two or three months, so.
0: Yeah, so. Who but after that,
1: be. maybe. After that, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I love it. But it's passionate, man. People are into it, so it, it, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, so I, I went 4 it as well. You were 4, but uh, still a match that I think, you know, if, if you have to watch one thing from the show, uh, you're, we're going to talk about the opener here in a bit. Definitely the opener and, and definitely this match. I think you, you you shouldn't end your year. Like, 2019 should not end without at least watching this match. I think it is worth it for your time uh, to go back and watch. Would you agree? Like, it, it's still like a definitive must-watch match.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, anytime there's a mask versus mask or mask versus hair and you have stars of this magnitude and the match delivers, yeah. I mean, you should, yeah, you need to track it down and watch it for sure.
1: All right, so I'm guessing you don't want me to <laughs>
0: try to pronounce. Oh, okay, name. I got to take so, charge yeah, here. I
1: mean, this is gonna. I mean, come on, nobody wants to hear
0: that. So. All right, so uh, let's. You once dated a Puerto
1: Rican. You, you like Matt Striker Once dated a Puerto Rican, so you're pretty. You, your Spanish is pretty, uh, pretty good. So.
0: I, I don't know if that's Puerto true Rico? or not.
1: No, I don't know. Is that true or not?
0: I dated a Mexican girl. I there you dated. Go. I mean, I might have banged a few Puerto Rican girls. I don't know. I. <laughs> But I don't think I don't know if I dated a Puerto I dated a uh, a Mexican girl I dated a Filipino girl but that's not even Hispanic so why am I even bringing that one up um, I don't know I I don't I don't think I dated a Puerto Rican
1: okay well never mind then you're not like Matt Stryker then who who gained his Spanish from dating a Puerto Rican but uh, instead uh, whatever whatever way it is that you're a little yeah, better I, Spanish yeah, I than I, I am Puerto so
0: Rican. now you're making me doubt myself what, maybe I I...
1: no 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 I'm just saying it because Matt Stryker said that that's how he knew Spanish so
0: I'm trying to think.
1: The Dombrowski asked, and yeah, he said, girl. what a Puerto do I ask you
0: Matt Stryker? I don't know, you know.
1: Well, I'm saying that you know how to pronounce the names, you know a little bit better than I do, and, and that's because I, I, you know, so I was maybe wondering if that's why you're a little bit good at it. But... So you
0: just assumed I dated a Puerto Rican girl like Matt Stryker?
1: Yes, exactly. Because I think that's how most people learn Spanish, right? They date Puerto Rican women, so.
0: I guess that's how Matt Stryker learned it. I, <laughs> I never dated a Puerto Rican woman. I dated a Mexican woman.
1: Well, that might be a better way to, to learn Spanish, too. Anyway,
0: so. She was a nurse, and she was always was trying to convince me that I had ailments, and it became very annoying. So that had to end.
1: <laughs> See, my nurse is the opposite. She just tells me nothing is wrong. You're fine. Go go to sleep. Who cares? I just had a guy that died on my watch today, or whatever. I'm like, all right, cool, well, whatever. No,
0: she'd always be like, um, no, sit down. Let me take your blood pressure. I'm like, I did enough of this. Leave it at the office. You know, it was it was always one thing after another. Oh, that's
1: weird. Yeah, that's weird.
0: Real weird. Real fucking weird. Kick and,
1: that to the curb. Yeah,
0: <laughs> bye. You had to go. Him. Yeah, that's you had to go. Um. Let's go to the top. So the pre-show match, we had Archangel Divino, Astrolux, and Dragonbane defeating Arimis, Ares and Toxine. <laughs> that was the pre-show match. Um, now look, this was great, but I've actually seen this same group of guys have better matches, believe it or not. Um, but this delivered, uh, they are possibly, if this is their first time seeing these guys, okay, they are capable of better, but, um, but yeah, this was great. And every time I see a match like this, I think that every company in the world should open their shows with their six best undercard guys who aren't being pushed. Just put them in a match like this, the way they used to do on Nitro, the way they used to do on WCW pay-per-views, the way AAA has done the last year with this crew of guys. Just throw them out there and tell them to do a bunch of entertaining shit. Um, there's no way, if you're a wrestling fan, you can't enjoy a match like this on some level. So uh, this was great, and Rich, this was my uh, favorite match on the show. What did you think of this? Oh, it was
1: incredible! Yeah, just just nuts back and forth between these guys, and like you said, like I, I've I, I'm sure I've seen like dusty YouTube links, and and I think these guys, how because these guys have have this combination of guys has wrestled how many times this?
0: They open a lot of the AAA shows.
1: That's what I thought. So I, I probably have seen this combination of guys before, I think, on, a, on another show uh, that I watched. And, and I feel like I've seen higher highs from these guys, and I feel like there's been matches this year that I've really liked a lot more. We talked uh, about
0: one of their matches... Maybe a year. Yeah, what ago, was that? I yeah, expect- maybe it
1: was. Maybe it was around that. So that's the this is the crew, same combination same of guys.
0: guys. Yeah, like not the exact same six guys, but yeah, the same crew of guys. Yeah. Okay.
1: So yeah, that one, whatever it was, a year or so ago, or six or whatever, however long ago, that one was like, oh my god, this is like a transformative match. Like this match is absolutely something that you have to go out of your way and see. And this one still was really, really good. I'm at probably four stars flat for this one as well. Still something you need to go out of your way to watch. Just nuts how these guys, you know, in 2019, still do stuff that blows your mind like you would think that in, in 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 this area we've seen everything we've seen every high flyer we've seen everybody that can do anything and it's like you see these guys and we'll talk about another guy a little bit later where no they're still doing stuff that still blows your mind in 2019 so definitely go out of your way to see this match if you can but um yeah i, I really really enjoyed it and uh it's definitely if they're like i said if there's two matches you have to watch in the show it's this match and then it's the main event everything else yeah you can kind of your, your your mileage may vary on that but uh, uh on your one point though, I'm 100% with you that every show should start out with six dudes just doing crazy flips and crazy dives and all this sort of shit. I mean, it, it's a great it, it's a great way to start. I mean, WCW knew that. Eric Bischoff and all of his idiocy at least knew to start shows with really fun matches, you know, all the time on Nitro. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, any, any WCW pay-per-view at the time was like Ultimate Dragon, Rey Mysterio, Ubuntu Guerrero, Psychos, like those sort of guys would go out there and just kill it. And it's a great way to get the crowd hyped up. It's a great way to get everybody started on the show. And and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right with you that it's cool to see AEW and a few other companies sort of realize start out matches or start out shows with stuff like this. I never bought into the old school thought that, ah, you don't want, you know, the guys in the opener doing stuff that's going to blow away the main event or whatever. Bullshit. Follow it. Like, you know what I mean just, make anything better like you know have your match be better or whatever or assume that it's like this match that's so out of world out of this world like insane that like yeah no the next match isn't going to follow it but it's fine like because the crowd got hyped up the crowd's excited the crowd's ready to go for the rest of the night and that that's the i think the better benefit to it than like oh you're showing up the guys in the main event or anything any other old school bullshit like that so
0: Okay, so Lady Maravilla and Viano 3 Jr. win the mixed tag team titles in a match that also involved former champions. The ever-popular Big Mommy and Nino Hamburguesa, who held the titles literally forever. And uh, let's see, Australian Suicide and Vanilla and Sammy Gouvera and Scarlett Bordeaux were the other two teams. Um, I don't know. The, the, The Big Mommy, Nino Hamburguesa stuff never lands for me because I'm no fun Lanza. I can't stand that team. I know everybody else on Earth loves them, um, And this match didn't work for me either. It had the screwy finish where it was supposed to be uh, Lady Maravilla taking advantage of the fact that uh, that Hamburguesa wants to fuck her. And then she, you know, hits him in the nuts and then they do. But something got screwed up with the finish here. But that was the idea. OK, so the idea here, if you were confused, is is uh, Maravilla was taking advantage of uh, – of, uh, Hamburguesa here because he's been trying to, uh, well, he's got a crush on her or whatever it is. its
1: is. has got wandering and, eyes. Uh, <laughs>
0: he's got... Yeah. So they, they lose the tag team titles, um, after the nut shot, even though things got real wacky and confusing there, um, um, at the end. Um, look, I mean, it was fine. I, I, Again, I'm I'm not a big fan of the the big mommy stuff and the the Hamburguesa stuff. I know a lot of people look. It's in the prelims and I get it, and that's it's all well. It's just it's not for me. What, what did you think? I, I thought it was
1: fun, but not like good. It's one of those things that like I was glad that I watched it, but I was kind of happy I can't it was call over. It
0: a good match. I, you know what I mean. It's like I can't in good conscience. It wasn't call
1: good. It, it good wasn't match. good. I did I enjoy watching it. Yes. Was I happy it was over? Yes. <laughs> it's one of those ones where you're like, you know what? I got 12 minutes of it. There were some spots that I laughed at. Viano 3 nearly killed people – or Viano 3 Jr. nearly killed uh, Maravilla. I think he tried to do something where he was going to put her – he was going to, like, splash her onto somebody. I forget who it was. And she they were, like, kind of back-to-back. Did you? Did you – notice the spot and then he just drops her down on her fucking neck and I was like Jesus Christ dude like calm down a little bit like there was a lot of spot there was a few spots in this match where it looked like people just absolutely died or, or, or nearly died Uh, but uh, yeah it was in good fun for like you said for about 12 minutes or so and then I was kind of done with it like the, the the big mommy stuff I enjoy but I'm also kind of like Glad that it's in the prelims and glad that it's over when I do watch it. So it didn't overstay its welcome. I enjoyed it a little bit more than you did, but in no way would I call this a good match whatsoever.
0: She's coming to AAA, uh, to AEW, I mean. She's coming to AEW. Uh, you, you can get ready. You can mark that down. Cody Rhodes has spoken about her publicly. So uh, he loves it. He loves the act. So you could expect to see Big Mommy in AEW as soon as, you know, I don't know what they got to do as far as visas or whatever the fuck needs to happen. Um, you know, Big Mommy's coming to, uh, to TNT. I can promise you that we had the world trios title. Uh, this was uh El Hijo del Vikingo, golden magic and Mr. junior. And remember Laredo kid had at one point been part of that team, but because of the storyline was pulled from the team, golden magic was put into the team. People weren't sure if that meant that they had given up the titles and this was for the vacant titles or whether, it was just like free bird rules and he can come in here as part of the team as champion bottom line is it ended up not mattering because they won anyway. And they are either the reigning and defending or the new triple a world trios champions and a match that also involved Lavo Porter del Norte, which of course is, uh, carta, brava, junior, moco, cota, junior, and not that Tito Santana and, uh, the exoticos team of Mambo, Maximo and uh, Pimpinella Pimpinela Escolata. So, uh, What would you think of this, Rich? I thought this – I'm not sure if this match has ended yet. I felt like this was never going to end. Um, It eventually did. And the either reigning or current or former or the same team that came into the match, we think, with the titles left with them. So what did you think of this,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm with you that I felt like it went a little too long, and I, th- I was looking at the match time, and I cannot believe, Joe, this thing only went 14 minutes. It felt like 25 minutes, but uh, with that said, there was still a lot of stuff that I loved, and, and, and I kind of talked about it a little bit when I was talking about the opener here, but Vakingo does stuff that like, I still cannot believe. Like he, This guy, and we've talked about it before, this guy is going to be a star. He is absolutely going to be a star. He's got the look, he's got the charisma, the crowd loves him, and man, this guy just does stuff that you've just never, ever seen before. And he did it like three or four times in this match, where he would just do something, he'd fly, he'd flip, he'd die, like whatever it is, he just does it at a different speed, a different there's just something about him. And like, I wasn't there in, in real time, obviously when, when Ray Mysterio was kind of coming up, I'm not comparing him to Ray Mysterio, but I kind of have that feeling like it, it, whether Ray Mysterio, or whoever it is going to be, you watch a guy, you go to an indie show or something and you see a guy and stuff just looks and feels, and, and and you can tell it's just different. Like that guy is just above and beyond good. And I think that's what Vikingo is at this point. Like, I really do think that this guy is just incredible. And, and if he's not a superstar, I will I'll, I'll admit that I was wrong and I was way off base but like I at 22 years old right now got an obvious obviously has the attention of people across the world you mentioned AEW they are aware of him they've mentioned it before if in another year this guy isn't like a worldwide superstar I I will I'll eat I'll eat my words because I think this guy has everything to be a big time star
0: no it's a lock I mean he's just special and he is just different and um you know, he's a guy again, that AEW with this relationship, you know, is is openly trying to bring in, um, there's gotta be some kind of easy issues with him. Otherwise I think he'd be, an, he'd be a Bola guy. He'd oh, be a- for sure. Oh God. Yeah. He's, 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 he's an absolute lock to be, uh, a big time star. Cause he's just someone who, who is just different and special. And, um, this match had a bunch of crazy spots. I like this much better than the opener, but it just felt a little long. I mean, a lot of these matches felt a little long. Um, well, these two did anyway. The first two matches felt like they were way too long, um, but but I thought it was a better match than the opener, and um, and I thought that the uh, obviously the, the, the champion team were the were the stars of the match, although the other two teams. You know, they did bring some things to the table. That that team with uh, with Brava, Mokokota Jr., and Tito Santana, they've been around uh, forever. And, and, you know, they bring a little bit of brawling to the table. But, uh, yeah, this is all about Vikingo if you've never seen him. Um, that's the guy to keep your eyes on in, in this one um, if you go back and watch the show. So that's, yeah. next up, we had the... Uh, I just want to Mania. say
1: one, one not, not to interrupt here real quick, but there's a spot where Tito Santana, uh, again, not that Tito Santana does a, uh, a tope suicido and then uh, Vikingo puts it into a sunset power bomb on the floor. It's just like, fuck. It's yeah. Just, it's yeah. just ridiculous. It's unbelievable. So there's a few spots. There's like four or five spots in this match that you had to like kind of rewatch and just be like, Jesus Christ. These guys are just, it's unbelievable. Some of the stuff these guys can
0: do. Yeah. It's, 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 it's wild madness. And, 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 and stuff that – like you, like sort of in the pre-show match, you'll see things that you've never seen done before.
1: Right, and you would though. think that in 2019, and especially us, people like you and I who watched everything. We watched so much shit that you would – you would have seen everything and be just like, ah, whatever, okay, it's another, data. but there is stuff that that the opener, and then like in this match, where, it's, yeah, as you said, you're just like, I, I never thought of that, like, Jesus Christ, they're innovating still to this day, and you kind of feel like at some point, wrestling's going to stop innovating, and then you see a match like this, and you're like, no, it, it's never going to stop, there's always going to be new things, new spots, new ways to approach stuff, so it, it, it's cool to see that.
0: Okay, so the Copa Triple Mania was a...
1: uh, (laughs) What? I can't hear you because the explosions during this match ruptured my eardrum.
0: Yes, it was a Royal Rumble uh, sort of gimmick match where I think it was every 60 seconds you had guys coming in. But now look, I thought the mixed tag was just a mess of a bad match that I didn't like. This was a mess of a bad match that I really enjoyed. (laughs) I enjoyed this. Um... You know, I I think that you had, you know, this is where you got the Vampiro surprise. So, you know, the Vampiro Conan thing caught me off guard, and those guys have been, you know, rivals for um, many many years, and that was a nice surprise for everybody. Uh, you had Dave the Clown getting involved in this match, which is always a. Uh, That's your
1: guy. That's your guy, Dave the Clown.
0: Yeah. So you know, Laparka comes in with all this fanfare. And then, uh, Dave, the clown comes down to fuck with La Parca. And then, uh, I think it was chessman who tossed out, uh, La Parca from there. And then, you know, you have Conan coming in, you know, doing the, the Donald Trump sympathizer thing, uh, which always gets a ton of heat. And, and his shirt said, Mexico is for nachos or something on the back. I mean, <laughs> I, think so.
1: yeah, I forgot exactly.
0: what it I said. love the cheap heat. I mean, you know, I've, I've <laughs> no problem with the cheap heat. Um, And, you know, and then Vampiro came in and, you know, the camera work wasn't great because I couldn't figure out how Vampiro got eliminated. I don't know if he just hopped over the top rope himself or if someone threw him out. Um, I I still don't know um, how Vampiro ended up out of the match. I don't know if he just threw Conan out and then said, well, my work is done here. I'm going to head to the back and collect my envelope but... Um,
1: yeah, it's very possible that he can't take a bump, so maybe they just cut away, and he just rolled out, and then we just all kind of assumed that uh, Vampiro didn't did need you to take just an take eliminated? Bump. So I don't... I did not, and I'm trying to look at... I'm trying to look right now if there is any record of exactly how he got eliminated. I don't think there is, so...
0: How about Arrow Stark? They gave him a fucking scaffold <laughs> to jump
1: <laughs> platform? Off. Yeah. Look, dude, stop climbing up shit here. Here's a platform so you can jump into the ring, but... Uh, which is weird. Like, how did he get that advantage? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that is a... You know, in, in, in a shoot sense, or in, in, in sort of a cave sense i should say like that's bullshit like everybody else had to come into the ring like down the ramp he got to come from the top like that that hardly seems
0: fair rich this was a match with <laughs> monster clown vampiro and a guy named dave the clown who came down to distract a, a, a living skeleton and you're complaining about <laughs> yeah. arrowstar yeah. entering via a platform uh you know to live up to his gimmick encouraging this man to jump off high things After he has almost died on their shows. Right. Well,
1: at least it was, I I guess by doing this, they now said, okay, here's a platform. So you don't have to climb up anything. So here's a platform. We'll just start you up high and then fall into the ring into people, which I get. So it's better. Like if the man's going to fall, which he's going to fall, at least they chose the best thing as opposed to, Hey, climb up this thing and then fall on the floor face first. Like I get, I get the idea. And, and, and Joe, to your earlier point of like, I know the young bucks came in and ruined all AAA logic. Uh, a, a few months ago, but I, I still I want them to get back to what they were for all those years, Triple A. You, you know, we had a show where we talked about that. The Young Bucks completely just ruined everything that was pure about Triple A, and I want it back because stuff like this is really starting yes. to break the, the fourth wall for me. And I'm 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 sick of it.
0: So. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> Between uh, this and the Young Bucks, like I just want stuff to go back to normal in triple A and, and and I just want logic back in my triple A Joe. That's all I want. So
0: yes, a very logical well booked promotion <laughs> as always. But to be fair, this match they 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 actually thought this one through because the, the the entrance came in in an order where like the guy you were feuding with came in next.
1: Right. right right yeah usually like and, and cups fan who did the preview for the website uh voice of course uh just said like yeah this thing's probably gonna be bullshit and a bunch of people are just gonna come out and it's not gonna matter right. and then it shocked everybody that like every entrant mattered and everybody kind of was in uh, some sort of feudal relationship with each other so, so it's
0: funny you make your joke there but this was an instance where it's like yeah they they actually did put a little bit of care in <laughs> right this. so um you know, there were some other people we haven't mentioned in there. Dago was in the match. Uh, Superfly. Uh, we talked about Murder Clown. Puma King. Uh, Reyes Scorpion was in the match. Drago, which it, I, I should have – I you know, I found out a couple months ago that he was the former Gato Everready. And I haven't been able to get it out of my head because I can't believe it. Gato Everready was this, like, jabroni in AAA 10 years ago who they had a – AAA had a deal with the EverReady Battery Company as like a sponsorship. You're familiar with that company, EverReady Batteries, right? With
1: yes, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. the
0: Fucking cat logo or whatever. So he he had a gimmick centered around that sponsorship. His name was Gato EverReady. So he was like the fucking EverReady cat, right? And He was just a prelim dude. And he was also part of the Barrio Boys, which I didn't know, as Alan. That's right, just Alan, Rich, was the man's name. And I can't believe that Drago, this fucking living dragon with the tongue and the fucking blood and he flies on fucking Lucha Underground, was the inhabitant of these two awful gimmicks before he found this. And it just goes to show, like, where would his career be without the Drago gimmick? You know, it's like it's, sometimes you just need that one break. You know, he goes from Gato Ever Ready, which was a going nowhere thing to the fucking Barrio Boys with Alan and fucking Gesniss or whatever that guy's name was. And I, I can't remember the third guy's name. And just going nowhere fast, you know, running on a treadmill. And then you find the right gimmick. And I know he wasn't positioned well on this show, but obviously Drago has become essentially a worldwide star because now he has a cool gimmick.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. and I think in Mexico more than almost anywhere else, too, it, de- it definitely like because you have a good look or a good mask or a good sort of just like presence like that can make or break some guy's career. And, and, and Drago is a perfect example of that, where it's just like he's got a fucking great looking mask. <laughs> and that dude, you know, I, I, I saw him live at AEW uh, a, a couple of years ago and he says he was a fucking god in that building. <laughs> it's like knowing what he you know was and where he came from and all this sort of stuff. We talked about it with uh, with Cubs fan on one of our shows, too. It is pretty amazing. Uh, as well. And I think Pentagon Jr. I forgot what he was before, too, but I think he was just like a, a sputtering nothing guy. And then obviously got the Pentagon Jr. thing and, and kind of had refined his look a little bit. And then obviously it clicked. And now he's, you know, what he is right now. But it's not like, you know, I don't know that Pentagon Jr. became a much better wrestler over the last five years, but he just looks cool as fuck now. And that's, you know, that that'll go a very, very long way. Uh, and, and, and that's, it's honestly, I said, it's true Mexico, it's true of anybody, just look cool, have a good presence. And you'll, pro- I mean, enough of your work will, will be covered up by it. And it, it doesn't hurt to be a good worker too. But yeah, it, it, the look and the charisma and all that sort of stuff's important. And that's why, like, not to go back to Vikingo, but that's a big reason why I think he, because you could, he's got like really cool looking gear. He makes it work. He looks like a million bucks. He carries himself with confidence. Like that's where some guys just don't have that right away, especially at twenty two years old. But no, Drago is is awesome. And and yeah, wasn't always awesome, but uh, he's cool now. So uh,
0: Pentagon Pentagon Junior was uh, was Dark Dragon when he came up, and he actually right 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 he was actually a, a considered uh, a big time prospect at that time. But yeah, obviously taking on the the pentagon junior gimmick and and his and had just you know took his career like you're saying in in potentially a, a totally different path than it would have gone if he would have remained you know in in the in the dark dragon persona but it's not like um you know people saw it in him when he was dark dragon i don't know if anybody saw it in drago you know when he was gato ever ready or or as or one of the barrio boys i mean another guy like look at black taurus you know and when when he was a machine rocker for all those years (laughs) it's it's you know again but then the the black taurus gimmick is just so fucking cool that it's like it it just it, it took his career um to a totally Ooh, another level. But
1: this uh, this machine rocker thing is
0: bad.
1: Oh, dear God.
0: Oh, I guess you... Yeah, well, there you go. I didn't know I mean, that. Oh, my God. God.
1: It's like a... It's like if Kiss and Psychosis... Like, if Gene Simmons and Psychosis had a child, it would be this thing. And, oh, my God. No, Black Taurus, uh, definite upgrade for sure <laughs> over whatever this is. So, Jesus Christ, wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, d- w- Pentagon Jr. as Dark Dragon, I mean, he was like... for, for You know, that was probably around... I'm gonna guess 2011 ish, 2012 ish, and he would be on the opposite side of matches with Phoenix back then, and it would be like he was almost, you know, the psychosis to Phoenix's Ray. Like they would always be on the opposite side of tags a lot of the time, and um, and 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 you know they've always been attached at the hip. I mean, obviously they're brothers, but um, you know, even even in the Dark Dragon days, you know, they were always in matches together. Um, usually on opposing sides. And then, you know, obviously, yeah, the pen, like you said, the Pentagon Jr. thing just, you know, it just catapulted his career to, where well, now he's a megastar. But um, anyway, uh, a little diversion there, but that was the Copa Triple Mania. Next up, we had the, uh, for the women's title, and Tessa Blanchard is now a uh, champion in multiple countries. She wins the women's title in the match. It also included Ayoko Hamada, Chick Tormenta, Fabi Apache, Lady Shani, La Hiedra, and Taya Valkyrie. So Tessa Blanchard, the new AAA women's champion. Rich, uh, I had some minor streaming issues during this. So I didn't, you know, I probably saw about sixty-seventy percent of the match. Wasn't exactly blown away by what I saw, but uh you may have a, a more fair review of this since I'm assuming that you saw the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I did I did see the whole thing and 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 <laughs> I'll give them this. Like, the effort was definitely there. They had 10 minutes with seven people in a TLC match, and there were some spots that I really, really enjoyed. It was brutal. I mean, it was as – there wasn't really a whole lot of other plunder matches, of, of course, except for the main event, which was, you know – This was bath, a, of course.
0: I should I should note this was a TLC match. Right,
1: right. All right. So this was like, and they got right to it. Like their idea of a TLC match was let's hit each other with shit. So it kind of was like a 1999 WWE hardcore match where you got cookie sheets, you got trash can lids, you got chairs, you have tables, you have thumbtacks, you have like, it was brutal. It was absolutely, absolutely brutal. The problem was, is like, like I said, you're trying to fit seven people and a bunch of spots into a 10 minute match and a 10 minute TLC match. So it, it, it did feel like it, it kind of got to a point where like as, you know you can appreciate what they're doing you can appreciate the effort you can appreciate all of, uh, uh, you know everything that's going on but at a certain point like seven minutes in when it's just like non-stop chaos of people hitting each other with shit at some point you're just like all right well like what do I really what am I supposed to care about here What, what is what am I supposed to really sink my teeth into a little bit and you had a little bit of like Tessa and Taya sort of jaw jacking a little bit you had some other stuff between some of the other women but I don't know that there was enough of a story for me sort of watching the match to really Get involved in it and invested in it, so that kind of hurt a little bit. Where right? I didn't necessarily love it all the way, and and I don't know. Did you see the um? Did you see the finish at all?
0: Yes, I saw the finish.
1: So you had so Tessa, you know, obviously Tessa, Chick Tormenta is on the top rope, and and Tessa tosses her off the top rope. Uh, I assume that she was trying to hit the ladder on the way down, but she didn't. But it kind of played in the finish, so I don't know if that was actually the spot. Like, I don't know that I would say, hey, what you should do is push me off the top rope and I'll land on my back on the floor. I don't know if that's what I would say the spot should be, but it kind of worked in how the spot did. So Tessa tosses her off. She lands on the floor it looks brutal. They immediately have doctors rush to her yeah. or whatever. And while they're doing that, Tessa beats Taya and then climbs up to the ladder and, and, and becomes a champion. So it played into the finish directly. So I guess it wasn't a blown spot, but it, it man, it looked brutal if <laughs> it wasn't. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what was supposed to happen there, or if she was just supposed to go through the ladder and it was supposed to be the finish anyway. Uh, but still, I mean, the finish I enjoyed that told a little bit of a story, but a lot of times it was just like 10 minutes of just people hitting each other with shit. So
0: it, it's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's, I feel like the whole middle portion of this show was like sensory overload. Like, not necessary. There was obviously this match had a ton of plunder, and there was a little bit of plunder with you know Mokokota and Tito Santana and those guys in 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 the in the uh, in the trios match, and you know the Copa match had a little bit of that too. But it's like just so AAA just it's like a deluge of just craziness, and the problem is at some point halfway through the show, it's like, you start to get immune to it. Almost. It's like, okay, we get it. Like you don't get a break. Like they don't, it's not like, you know, they're never going to mix in, you know, a fucking Matt wrestling match in between all of this. It's always just going to be more, 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 more with triple a. And, um, you know, this obviously was fucking wild and dangerous and someone may have gotten seriously hurt. I haven't seen an update on it, but, um, but, yeah. I mean, there, there's always look with wild plunder like this match was. There's always going to be some sort of entertainment value to that. But yeah, at the same time, they weren't telling any kind of you know overriding story from bell to bell here. This was just a series of one spot after another. So
1: right, and and I've always said this too about like you know and. In, in- it, it happened in, in America when we just went overboard with like hardcore matches and it was just like in WCW they were doing it and in yeah. you know ECW they were doing it and WF they were doing it and it became the point where like after the ninth time you see somebody get hit by a cookie sheet you don't really care anymore <laughs> you know the, right. the 15th chair shot doesn't resonate with you like the one does you know we talk about Sean Spears and Cody because they haven't done chair shots to the head because it's only that one it means so much more whereas like you know in 1999 you'd have Triple H hitting everybody over the head with chairs for fucking 15 times and, and Jeff Jarrett hitting everybody with a guitar or whatever and it, it it doesn't matter if it's overload, and that's what kind of happened on this match is it was like, all right, cool, I get it. You hit somebody with a trash can lid for the 80th time. Like, I, okay, what, what am I supposed to care about here? Why why am I watching this? So that, that definitely probably – it definitely occurred in this match, and it definitely dragged it down a little bit for me, so.
0: Yeah, so we had uh, Big Kane Velasquez debut. He teamed with Cody and Psycho Clown in uh, what would only have to qualify as a Fire Pro random button team. and uh, <laughs> I mean, who would Cody, ever Psycho Clown,
1: and UFC legend Cain Velasquez.
0: I mean, straight out of Fire Pro with a little I MMA section. You know
1: exactly <laughs> right. Like that's the thing too. Where you're like, you're like, oh shit, I forgot MMA guys. Oh, whatever. Okay, yeah, it's gonna be. You know, yeah. Kevin Randleman is gonna be teaming with you know Jim exactly. Brown because whatever it happened, I hit random and it happened. So
0: yeah, and
1: uh, <laughs> why did I call with Kevin Randleman?
0: <laughs> because that's a perfect Fire Pro,
1: right? He was he was in those games all the time, right? Yes,
0: he was, yeah. yeah. I love Kevin Randleman. So, um. You know, they defeated El Tejano Jr. and Taurus and Killacross, who ended up being the mystery partner. So, obviously, the story here is Cain Velasquez, and this is what we need to talk about. So, look, here's the thing with Kane. It's very obvious that he's a tremendous athlete. There's no question about it. I think that watching him for a first-time match, there was there's obviously incredible potential there because he's got size. He's an awesome athlete. He clearly loves pro wrestling. He's out there doing lucha spots. Um, the, the, the things that were holding him back, I think, were, you know, he doesn't – he's just not a natural the, – the, the athleticism isn't a problem for him. And the athletically pulling things off is, is not going to be a problem for him. What what? And, and again, this is his first match, so it, it feels shitty being critical. But um, what I felt was off was like his mannerisms and his – he he doesn't seem like a natural in that sense where he doesn't know how to carry himself like a pro wrestler. And he doesn't know what to do with like his hands when he's not in the middle of doing a move. He doesn't know how to stand. He doesn't know how to, uh, he doesn't know how to uh, look like a star in that context. Am I making sense?
1: No, it, absolutely. It, yeah. Well, one of the things that really got me in, and like, it's a, it's, it's one of these weird things, but when we're talking about a guy that we're projecting of like, okay, if he's going to be doing this long term, it always felt like to me, He's like holding back laughter the entire time. You, you know, he's always kind of like holding back a smile while it's all happening. He's always kind of just like, hey, this is kind of fun or this is goofy. I'm doing the wrestling thing or whatever. And you, it didn't, I, he, he was fine in this match. He was good in this match. You see the potential. You see that if they can kind of knock that out of him and if they can kind of get it, they have something in him. And I liken it a lot to Ronda Rousey. That was the thing that I had with her, is when she first came out. It always felt like she was kind of like smiling and kind of like holding back laughter and kind of like, ah, this is fun. I'm doing the wrestling. Yay. And then she got it. She was able to kind of, project her persona in a wrestling ring. And I think that will come with time, but I was a little worried that like it didn't necessarily, and that might've been a good reason to give him the mask off the bat too, but it always still kind of felt like he was, I don't know, it felt like he was kind of, like we always say, the playing pro wrestler as opposed to being a pro wrestler. He didn't project himself as this killer badass like we know he should be and, and, and could be, but you did see the potential. You did see that there is something there because he's such a raw athlete. So I hope that he does this again, and I hope that it it, it kind of clicks with him, but it wasn't like a made man right away. Like I I saw a lot of people say, oh, my God, he's ready to go, and all, yada, yada. He's nowhere near that. I think there's a lot of refinement that still has to happen before we're there, but um, I'm right with you. It didn't feel like he was – a wrestler, he felt like a guy that was wrestling. If that makes sense, he
0: doesn't know how to project himself yet. Right? It's one match, you know. And it's no, great. I wouldn't
1: know. Who, nobody knows how to project themselves after their <laughs> first wrestling match. Well, so. some
0: guy. Well, listen, no, I don't. I wouldn't say that because some people are just naturals and they get it right away. And it's like, and they get it from almost day one, and 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 that shouldn't be ever the expectation. I think your Ronda Rousey comparison is perfect. He reminded me of Ronda Rousey when she did the angle at WrestleMania a few years ago, where. The physical stuff was like, oh, well, she's great at this, but the way she carried herself, there it wasn't pro wrestling charisma that she was uh, projecting, and and in her first few appearances as well. So I think you made a great comparison there. Eventually, Ronda got it and got it good, and she became awesome at everything. Right, and 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 so so yeah, I mean, that could happen here. I don't worry about the physical side at all. Now, from what I understand, it was his choice to wear the mask because he wants to be an authentic luchador.
1: Yeah, which is cool.
0: Yeah, he grew up watching it and he loves it and you know and all that. So that was his idea, and 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 he didn't work like a shooter. He worked like a luchador. He was out there doing hurricane ranas and 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 shit like that, and in 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 obvious we're you know very obviously rehearsed spots, which is fine. It's his first time and. It's a huge match, and I don't even have a problem with that at all. Um, but I think if he can learn how to carry himself like a pro wrestler, project like a pro wrestler, this guy absolutely has um, you know uh, unlimited potential because of his athleticism and his size and his background and all of that.
1: Well, and, and uh, he's a god. I mean, that crowd was going absolutely insane for him. So if they can keep him under wraps and keep him in A and really do something with him, they have a star. I mean, that guy is gonna get. Uh, and I don't know what what I don't follow it at all. You know that. What are his current UFC obligations? I know he's still active ish, but
0: he's uh he doesn't he got knocked the fuck out recently, and and he says he wants to do both. But Rich, over the years, how many people have said they wanted to do it never worked out. <laughs> right.
1: Are you saying Kingmo are you saying the Kingmo impact wrestling experience didn't work out?
0: Exactly. I mean how dare just, you? It, Look, he's he's clearly a declining.
1: the August one warning Tito Ortiz. Are you what are you talking about, Joe? Come on.
0: Yeah. I mean he's clearly an aging, declining fighter who that's not where his future lies. But um you know, for fighters, old fighters die hard. None of them think that they can't fight anymore. So um so who knows? But if he dedicates himself to this, I think he can be very good. He definitely, it's like he didn't embarrass himself at all. I thought he acquitted himself Not well all. physically, but he just didn't carry himself like a pro wrestler yet. Um, and everybody else in the match did a great job around him, you know, to help him through it. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, the match was fine. You know, I, it was a pretty, it was a damn good match. It was, it was, it was a pretty good match. And, and he didn't drag it down. Now, look, if you're going to go on the Pantheon of non-wrestlers doing this for the first time, I would slot him somewhere near the top. He'd be below D'Angelo Williams for sure.
1: Oh, D'Angelo, D'Angelo might be the all-timer of like, holy yeah. shit, this guy is great already. Like, how is he good already? It, it made no sense that he was as good as he was as early yeah, as he was, so.
0: that guy is just the peak example of first time out, Wow, that guy could be great at this in six months. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, D'Angelo Williams, he was, like, first day good. Like, he reminded you of, like, the first time you saw, like, a Kurt Angle or a Matt Riddle. Right, or right. And, like yeah,
1: Kurt that. Angle was the men- The guy I was going to bring up. I'm positive that when Kurt Angle showed up in Memphis or whatever, I think he went to Memphis first. That Like, day one, he was already, like, better than everybody that he was training with. I'm positive of it because we saw him this a year, I mean, God, a year and a half into his pro wrestling career, he was already the world champion. And it wasn't like he was an unworthy world champion. He was already great. So he, he but I think that's, it's, it's more the exception than the rule for a lot of these guys.
0: So yes. Like and I think a handful unfair. of dudes
1: that, that have ever been able to do it.
0: Yeah. And it's an unfair standard, you know? And, and that's why I say, if I'm going to slot in Kane, he'd be close to the top of people who came in the first time and, 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 you know, uh, and how they looked right out of the gate. So, There's something there with him, and I thought it was an enjoyable match. And I think that, yeah, AAA has something. And look, you know, again, if I'm Cody and I'm in that match with that guy, you know, I'm pulling him off in the corner and having a conversation with him. You know, I mean, that's a guy who AEW without question that's a huge name. You know, so and and they they need all the huge names they can get. So you know. if I'm a AEW, and I'm sure that they're interested in the guy, but as well, they should be, um, speaking of AEW, we had Pentagon Phoenix and Laredo kid, defeating Kenny Omega and the young bucks. And I fucking hated this. <laughs> I, I, I legitimately hated this match. I thought it stunk. I thought this was a legitimately bad wrestling match. It was my least favorite thing on the entire show. Um, the bucks just aren't cut out for this style. It's like they slow themselves down to work the pacing. It's weird. It's like, because Lucha pacing isn't always slow by any means. Oh, I mean, Lucha sometimes is a very fast paced style, but the way the bucks work Lucha, it's like, they feel like they have to change what they do. And it's hard for me to explain. It feels like they're working a different speed than they do normally. And, it feels like Kenny Omega was, like, forcing himself to work in, in a way that he doesn't normally work. And everything felt overly choreographed. And there was no fucking heat until the very, very end of the match when they did the big, the first big near fall. Nobody cared about this match. People on Twitter can argue with me until we're all dead. There was no fucking heat this match until the tail end of the match. I don't know what people were watching. Rich, did this match have any heat? Or am I the one going crazy?
1: God, no. I mean, the, the last maybe minute had heat, yes. but the other, God, I don't know. I, let me see the actual match time for 18 minutes. Yeah, the previous 17 minutes, nobody gave a flying oh, fuck about anything that shit happened.
0: Shit yeah, About this match. And you had the Bucks and Kenny Omega in there doing their cartoonish healing, and no one cared. Overly choreographed garbage in terms of the spots. A ref bump that lasted 16 of the 18 minutes, which was a, <laughs> which was egregious even by AAA standards, okay? This was a one-star match, in my opinion. That's how bad this was. And, and you know me. I never go below two. For me to go below two, you got to be Mercedes versus Bacardi. This was a less than two-star match to me. It was awful. I hated this. I never want to see the Bucks in AAA again. I just don't. And we're going to see Kenny because he's challenging for the the world title that no one cares about. You know, he he did the post-match promo.
1: For the Mega Championship.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and he tried his best, but no one cared about that either.
1: (laughs) Because he cut cut Kenny Omega in AEW. Thank you, fans, for coming and helping us sell this arena out because we did it. And, like, like, nobody cares.
0: But he was doing it in a smarmy way to get heat. Like, I don't think he – he was saying – what he was trying to say was – like he was trying to get over as a heel. Like I drew this crowd, and you're supposed to, but they don't care. They don't. They can't understand him. Number one, right? And and they just don't care about him. So I, I I get what he was trying to do with the promo, but they don't care about Kenny Omega, and they couldn't understand what he was saying, and they didn't care what he was saying. So I don't know. None of this worked. I thought it was a fucking disaster. Um, and yeah, they got into it at the. At the, at the it had the crowd not started to buy into the near falls in the final minute of the match, I legitimately would have went dud on this. But I'll throw, I'll give it a star because they did get the crowd at the at the tail end. And, um, you know, at least the right team won it all. But did the right team win? Because if Kenny Omega's challenging for Right, he band, lost
1: like, and then got the mic and they cut the promo and then he challenged for a title immediately afterwards. So he
0: have won the match?
1: Yes, so, probably.
0: You know, it, it, it's like he should have won the match and he didn't. So that was a mess, too. I don't know. I hated all of this. I, I know you didn't like it much either, but did you hate it as much as I did?
1: I did not hate it as much as you did. You might be an all-timer on the hatred factor for this. I did go two stars, though. I, I went two stars on the dot, which, again, is 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 unbelievable. And I put a tweet out there, uh, at Voices Wrestling as well, talking about guys that I, I like. And I've talked about this a bunch of times, so I'm not going to reiterate it again on the show. But like Kenny Omega, the Bucks, Pentagon, and Phoenix are, are, are guys five of – probably my favorite wrestlers in the world guys that i love i think that they're great pro wrestlers i never ever ever want to see them in the ring together ever again i am so ungodly sick of seeing the bucks and pentagon and phoenix i'm so sick of seeing omega and pentagon i'm so sick of seeing the bucks and phoenix i'm so sick of of pentagon versus phoenix like I needed the combo with these guys. I just want them away from each other and, and not fighting each other. I want Pentagon on his own. I want Phoenix on his own. I don't want these guys teaming together because I think they're better as individuals. I don't want to see Kenny versus Pentagon. I don't, I guess I'll see Kenny versus Phoenix and then I'll officially be done with that forever. I never in a million years want to see the Bucks versus Pentagon and Phoenix ever again. Like I'm just sick of this combination of people and 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 this match, like you said, even if I wasn't ungodly sick of this combination of people this match still stuck. It just wasn't good. It was worked at a really deliberate pace. And like you said, everything just felt so paint by numbers and so sort of regimented. And then it wasn't helped by the fact that I've seen these guys wrestle each other 800 times. And I'm going to see it again in another month. And it's just like, I, no, I don't. like These guys, there, there was a time where I thought that these guys would get the best out of each other. And maybe some people do think that. And like I said, maybe the first person that, that if this is the first time you were ever seeing this combination of guys, you might still think, wow, this was incredible. Or, oh, this was awesome. I can't fathom it though. It felt like the response from everybody that we talked to on Twitter and everybody that we talked to that watched it kind of had the same idea as us. It just didn't work, and I'm just so sick of this combination of people. And I, I, God, I hope after All Out it's over. I know they're in a ladder match. It'll probably be good. I'm sure the crowd will probably be hyped up for it. But when it's done, please never again with this combination of people. They're all better off apart from each other. I just I don't want to see it ever again.
0: See, the Fight for the Fallen version of this, I thought, was a really awesome version of this that I just happened to be sick of. Remember we talked about that. Yeah. It's like intellectually we know, okay, what we just saw was a really great match, but we're, we're, we're just happened to be sick of it. This was not that I thought this stung. Like there were spots in this match that I guess were impressive spots. I guess I don't even. I, don't, yeah, really I know.
1: mean, there was like a really terrible looking triple Canadian oh, destroyer. Bad, that, that,
0: that looks so contrived.
1: <laughs> like, and that's and honestly, I'm trying to think in my head. That's probably the best one. There was one. Okay. The one spot I enjoyed, I think Kenny took Phoenix's mask off and then tried to do the one wing angel. And then Phoenix flipped it into a Hurricane Rana and got the mask back as he did it. That was cool. That's yeah, it. That, Other than that, that was in 18 minutes. That's the one spot that I went, ah, oh, that was cool. And the rest of it fucking stunk. So, yeah.
0: I mean, as, you know, Kenny Phoenix in a singles match. I mean, I'll definitely give that a chance. They had that independent match. I thought that was um, a little overhyped, but it was really it was it was a great match. It wasn't, you know, there were people giving it five stars who saw it live, and I didn't think it was a five star match, but it was a really, you know, it was like a four and a half star match. So, I mean, I, I. I I'll watch them. At, but in Mexico, I don't know what it's going to be like. Is Kenny Does Kenny think he has to work differently? Because if he works the way he worked in this match where he feels like he has to be a different kind of wrestler, then I don't know if I'm looking forward to a match with him in Phoenix. If they just go in there and have the kind of match I know they're capable of, then, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So um, I don't know. But uh, after that, of course, was the main event that we talked about already. So yeah, I don't know. It's like, OK, so I love the pre-show match. I love the main event. I thought the Kane match was super interesting and I like that and then there were elements of all of the other match oh yeah and I liked the Copa match I did I legitimately yeah, yeah, yeah. liked that
1: that helped <laughs> if that was a, if that sucked then we might have a different take on this, but that was pretty good. So.
0: I think a lot of people probably thought that sucked I, that's more like a I don't know maybe maybe I'm off on that but and then there were elements of the other matches that I really liked like the the, the trios match there were elements of it I liked but I can't say that any of the other matches were whole complete matches that I liked. There were just elements of those matches that I liked, and I hated the Bucks match, and I really wasn't too fond of the opener. So I thought overall it was a good show. I would hesitate to to, – I don't think you can call it a bad show unless you just do not like the style at all. If you do not like the style at all, I could see you calling this a bad show. If you don't like the style and all of the AAA shenanigans get on your nerves, that's the only way I could see calling this a bad show. Um, otherwise, this was a, the floor for this was good, and I've, I've seen some people call it a show-of-the-year contender.
1: All right, so that was uh, Triple Mania. Let's jump into the G1 here a little bit, because as we mentioned, uh, this it's all over. This weekend, Joe, it is finally over the g1 we're going to talk a little bit about the blocks and the scenarios and some other stuff coming up but uh we had to do a uh i had to jump on in on a uh, g1 night review because we didn't get a chance to do it uh, on our patreon voice slash patreon uh one dollar two dollar five dollar tiers uh, as well you've been doing the daily g1 updates uh today you did not get a chance to do that so uh we're gonna move it to the flagship here so let's talk about uh, what was it night 15
0: yeah so it's the night 15 review again since we're recording early and this is normally the time when i'd be recording the, re- the g1 review uh we decided just to fold it into the flagship so uh um, that's what we're gonna do now and we'll get uh we'll get a little bit of uh, captain creech takes here see what he thought of some of these matches normally it's just me but now creech can jump in you did watch the entire show correct or did uh, every, i did
1: not watch yeah just the g1 matches i'm not uh, i'm not a maniac like you watching the pre-show stuff or the uh the, the non g1 stuff so sorry
0: so normally i do spoiler free recommendations i'm not we're not going to do those here change the format around a little bit if you don't want to be spoiled on this g1 show i don't know what to tell you fucking uh i don't know stop listening to this show <laughs>
1: right. to yeah maybe skip um, ahead the next i don't know 40 minutes or so
0: you've already downloaded it so i don't give a shit whether you finished it or not to be <laughs> right. really honest with you uh, <laughs> the statistic has been counted so um but anyway so we're not going to do the spoiler free recommendations as far as the undercard goes. Um, the only notes I had for the undercard were everybody talks about um, Shota Aminu and rightfully so. And everybody talks about Renderita and rightfully so. Everybody, well, a lot of people now are talking about Carl Fredericks, who I haven't had a chance to talk to you about. But Rich, I think this guy is a, a megastar. Um, and I'd be stunned if he doesn't become a megastar. So uh, Carl Fredericks gets plenty of uh, tremendous uh, publicity as well. But one guy that nobody talks about who I've been very impressed with on the last couple of shows is Yuya Yamura. And I've been watching this guy, and now this is the second or third show in a row where, to me, he was the standout of his match. And and, and I don't really hear him getting a ton of hype uh, you know, in this sea of tremendous – Young Lions, uh, several of which, uh, you know, I, I just mentioned. But Yumura, once again, was impressed. The thing about Yumura is this. I watched this guy, and he looks like he's transported right out of 1979. I feel like he can be wrestling Tatsumi Fujinami. I feel like he would fit right in, like, in other golden eras of the company. Just the way his Face looks. Well, he's, got, era- he's
1: got like a perfect prick face. He looks like the absolute biggest prick in the world.
0: Well, the prick face, see, I think uh, uh, Suji is the prick face, but I could see where you would say Yumura too because he's stoic. Right. And maybe, and maybe that's to me why he looks like he would fit in in some of these previous eras where everybody was fucking look like they had a stick up their ass. But like he works like those guys. He looks like those guys. Like he just has a 1978 face i mean it's 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 unreal i feel like i'm watching the reincarnation of of fucking you know somebody from that era when i watch this kid and he's really standing out now now suji the guy who i call the prick face because he's another one i mean he, i think he's bound to be a heel i think there's no doubt he's gonna be a heel. i think he's behind the other lions in terms of his work that's the guy who to me sticks out like a sore thumb in terms of i don't think he's where the other ones are at with the bell to bell yet. He threw some really weak looking strikes on this show. For instance, there's things about his game that I don't think have caught up or kept up rather with some of the other, uh, with some of the other, um, young lions. But that, th- th- those were the only, um, takeaways I had from this particular undercard. So we can jump right in to the, uh, uh, to the G one matches. So, I guess we will start with uh, Lance Archer and Sonata. Actually, um, why don't I just stick with my format? I usually go over
1: the. Yeah, uh, you, you, I'm, I'm your guest, sir. You, you run the show here. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in I'm when I need to. I feel too.
0: like I'm all thrown off here. Like <laughs> I, it's, it's, I'm usually by myself, and 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 you know, but I, I, feel, I don't know. It's weird. So anyway, uh, I'll go do, you. Yeah, I can go do laundry.
1: I'm gonna do laundry. You can take thirty minutes to yourself if you want, sir. <laughs>
0: I'll find something uh, to do. Yeah. No, you stay right there. So the okay. show did uh, a shade over 3,000 fans in Shizuoka. 3,030 was the official number. Um, I did not do my homework for this, so I don't know how that compares to the last time they were in the arena. So shame on me. But, again, I'm all thrown off here. And uh, quickly for the undercard results, it was Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Yoshinobu kanamoro defeating Toro Yano. Uh, and we just talked about this. Uh, Yota, Suji and Yuya Yamura. We had uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi defeating John Moxley and Shoto Aminu. Chase Owens, Jay White, and Yujiro Takahashi defeated Juice Robinson, Toa Hanare, and Tomo Aki Hanma. Hanma has just been a sad person to watch in this time. I mean, he is just done. He is we've known that he's done, but Rich, he's really done. Uh, it's 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 the kind of thing where I feel like they're just letting him participate to collect the paycheck, and it's just the way they do things in Japan. But Tomoaki Hanma no longer belongs in a ring. And not just a new Japan ring, he doesn't belong in a ring. I mean, it's just painful to watch. Um, And then we had Bushi, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito defeating Jeff Cobb, Ren Narita, and Tomohiro Ishii. Rich, I'll give you one guess who took the fall in that match.
1: (laughs) Probably Ishii, I'm sure. No, yeah, of course. Yeah, so uh,
0: let's talk (laughs) about the G1 matches now. We started off with Sonata defeating Lance Archer. Um, Listen, I think Sonata is having a great tournament. I know that not everybody shares that opinion, I don't know. I'm watching these Sonata matches against, uh, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. in Dallas. And of course the tremendous Kazuchika Okada match from a couple nights ago and the, uh, the Will Ospreay match and the Kota Ibushi match. And I see this guy just going out there having great matches night after night. And I think he's been having a great tournament. Lance Archer obviously is one of the major stories of this tournament, especially for a guy that only has four points, Uh, a major breakout in terms of performance. I think everyone across the board has been pleased his performances. Uh, with that said, I thought they went out there and they just had a match here. I thought it was a good match. It may have been my least favorite Lance Archer match and Sonata match for that matter of the entire tournament. Um, but I, you know, good match, but this is the G one with the bars very high. Uh, and as such, uh, calling it a good match, I went in even three stars on this. People like the star ratings when I do these, Rich. So you better have star ratings prepared because they're. Oh, ready. I got them. Don't worry. All Don't right. Worry. So I went three stars here because this to me was just the quintessential good match. What did you think of Lance Archer versus Sonata?
1: Yeah, I, I went three and a quarter with it. I liked it maybe a little bit more than you did, but kind of the same vibe. And 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 I, it's one of these weird things where because both these guys have been so good throughout this tournament that I ended up being disappointed by this All right, match. Let me, where let like let me cut
0: you off. So you were yeah. on. You are on Team Sonata Has Been Good.
1: Yes, and I'm not a big Sonata fan. You know, I I will come on the show a lot of times and say, I don't get it with him. I I don't quite buy into it all the way. He is, I thought, had a very, very good tournament. His highs have been really high. His lows are... are they're, they're not good. Like he's not going to be that guy that every single night is going to go out there and deliver. He's not an Okada. He's not an Ishi. He's not even a Tanahashi, that type where like every single night he's going to go out there. But when Sonata needs to have highs, when it's a really big moment, a big match or whatever, they always deliver. And, and, and you got to give him credit for that. Maybe in between the lines, he's not always doing the, the greatest stuff. And this is probably one of those matches too, that just didn't quite hit it. But like, I thought his top tier stuff has been incredible and, and, and Lance Archer, I mean, come on, what do you even have to say about him at this point? He's been awesome.
0: Yeah. So. uh the best sequence here was uh, Archer for the only the second time in the tournament went up for the moonsault and he missed. How about that moonsault he did a few nights ago off of the uh, ring uh, off of the rope walk?
1: Right, which is nuts for a guy his size, and it looked pretty, like it was like he did it so smooth too. And it's like Jesus
0: Christ, like I would never. and, it, and it, it came just out of nowhere too. Like i he's I don't think he's ever done that move, and then it's like he but he's but done the rope walk pretty much every night. And then he just dropped the moonsault off of the rope walk like he's fucking Mascara Dorada. Yeah, so that was crazy. But he missed the moonsault here. Sonata then quickly went for his moonsault, but Archer got the knees up. And then uh, moments later, uh, Sonata got him into the skull end. Archer reversed that into a claw, but Sonata got to the ropes. And then uh, a few minutes later, Sonata won it with a uh, jackknife-pinning combination. So, uh, yeah, uh, a decent little, uh, you know, opener, so to speak, but nothing to write home about, nothing you need to go out of your way to see. Next up, we had Bad Luck Fale, upsetting Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, The story remains the same for Tanahashi, where he, the story of the tournament is he's struggling with his body. He did hit one high fly flow here to Fale's giant, enormous whale-like back, but that wasn't enough to put the big man away. And then uh, with minimal interference, By Fale standards, he actually won this match with a wrestling move, a backslide to defeat Tanahashi. Um, Look, Fale is bad. We all know that. There's no point belaboring the point. And it kind of worked into Tanahashi's current gimmick to where he's physically limited to kind of work with a guy like this. But it's so hard for Fale at this point to have even an average match, let alone a good one. I went uh, two and a quarter on this. I couldn't even bring myself to go the straight up average two and a half. What did you think of this?
1: Yeah, I went two on the dot. I just I it just didn't click with me. And I know that's like you said, it's kind of the story is that Badlock Folly is a lump of shit and he sucks and Tanahashi is old and <laughs> broken down. So it like it they told this story that they wanted to tell pretty well, but it was just like you, you got to be fair, and, I, and when it was all said and done, I was just like, all right, that, that, that kind of sucked. That really stood out as, as, especially on this night, where I think a lot of stuff was pretty good on this night, this one was pretty horrendous, and, and uh, I'm I'm definitely ready for Bad Like Folly to be out of the G1 forever, and, and I know Tanahashi's kind of playing up this character right now. It was a great opportunity for him just to kind of have a little bit of a night off, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, it, no good. Yeah, this is one to definitely easily skip, so.
0: <sighs> Look, we all know the role Folly plays, Okay. Is it time not to bring him back into one? not not look? We don't want him in the G1 next. But what I'm asking you is, do you think the company sees it that way? Do you think they see this as okay? We're out here, and part of the appeal of this thing is is people know they're going to get these great matches, and this is the best three weeks in wrestling and all that. Do you think they finally to say, okay, you know what, we, we can put somebody else into sort of this role because this is bad?
1: I I do because, and a big reason why, is we look at the standings right now, he's at six points only, and I don't know what he's going to get up to. I don't know what he's going to peak at, but bad luck. Folly was a guy that, and and when we talked about previewing these, there's only got one left. So right. I was going to say, he's not too far high up there, but he's a guy that we always talk about of, okay, well, they're going to, you know, they're going to use him to get some extra wins. They're going to use him to, 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 you know, balance the block a little bit and you never know. He might beat Okada. He might be this guy. He might be that guy. And like, this year he just didn't like this year he's towards the end of the block didn't really have any big wins i mean i guess you can count this one as a big win you know he, what he beat evil he beat kenta and then he beats what Tanahashi, and that's it for him i mean like it's just they didn't use him and they as they did in and in, in some other prior years and i would say that is a good sign that maybe they just realize okay look this guy isn't a monster anymore he's not really doing because if you want to do him in that role if you want to say hey look he he we know he sucks but he's going to get 10 points because it's good to kind of balance the blocks out. It helps kind of, he could beat guys and it's still believable, but it's no longer believable that he beats guys. Like he's a, he's a geek even by their standards too. So I I, I would think it's now is a good time to just say, okay, this, it's, this it's, is done. It,
0: well, it's two years in a row. Cause remember all the DQs last year.
1: Right. So well, that was the way I think they kind of got out of it. It was like kind yeah. of lean him off that because a few years ago he was, like that monster guy and then last year it was like oh geez this monster that could beat people is just being an asshole and he's not winning why is he not winning and I think that was a good buffer to kind of say okay look we're gonna we're gonna wean him out a little bit we're gonna drop him down to being a guy that just loses on purpose and then now to what he is today, which is just, I don't know what he is. Like, I don't know why he's even there. But, I mean, yeah, you go back to, what, 2017, he had 12 points. Like, he was third in the block, and and that's a big deal. And the year prior, I think, what, was he at 10 points? So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers here. I mean, he was a guy that mattered, 10 points in 2015 as well. He's a guy that mattered for years and years and years. Last year, he didn't matter by, you know, by his own choice, quote, unquote, because he was just going out there and getting DQ'd. And now this year, he just hasn't mattered. So I think now is a good time to just say okay look if you're not going to matter and you're you're just a lump of shit and you're not going to have good matches it's probably time to move him out. You can have a lot of other guys play this role and 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 be spoiler and and still get good matches out of them and and, and Folly's way past his, his expiration point I'd say.
0: So the story here is Tanahashi is eliminated very early. He was already eliminated before this match and then he loses another match. And it's like I know that's the story of his tournament. But Do you see him working his way back into main events after the tournament? You know, was this just a way sort of to not have him booked into the mix to tell this story with him here? Or is this what Tanahashi is moving forward? An upper mid-card guy who the story is he, he isn't what he once was, and he has to do everything in his power just to eke out wins what what is Tanahashi see because I can't get a feel for that I can't imagine he will not be in a prominent match at least in Wrestle Kingdom and a lot of the talk is that he will be Liger's opponent which makes a whole lot of sense honestly because it keeps Tanahashi out of uh you know sort of the main event mix for stuff that you know matters moving forward because it's just Liger's last match and It's sort of a non-canon thing in reality. It doesn't, you know, it's like, so that kind of makes sense. But outside of that, can he be a guy who's still main events or is this now the end? And now from this point forward, he has cycled down till eventually, you know, he's a guy on the undercard working six-man tags. Is that thing going to come? Time waits for no one.
1: It is. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you would have told me this two years ago, I probably would have said, yeah, this is it for him. And, and, and we saw the uprising. I don't know if it was exactly by choice or it was because the elite were leaving and Omega was leaving or whatever. But Tanahashi then kind of got going, won the title again, uh, and then obviously lost it, was kind of the transitional champion. So I don't know. I would have told you, yes, two years ago for sure. But that and the thing that happened last year with Tanahashi, I've kind of. I don't know, but this is pretty telling this year. Like you said, never have they done this. Usually they've done the Tanahashi story where he goes to G1 and he's hurt, his arms hurt, his back's hurt, his legs hurt or whatever, but then he ends up having 12 points or he's in the mix or he's in the final or whatever. He's always been around. He's always been in the mix, like you said, always sort of – In that main event picture. But now it really feels like this year. He just just
0: won it. I mean, he just won the thing last year. Right.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's always kind of been a guy that's either hung around or, or, or won the thing or been important. But I thought it was telling this year. I really did because they just he's just out already. He's not even in the mix. His last few matches don't matter. To me, that that has to say something that has to say that this is finally the cycling down of him. And I don't want to bet on it because you can never really bet against Sanahashi. Because like I said, I would have bet wrong two years ago by saying the exact same thing. But it does feel a little bit different this year. And it feels like even he maybe realizes and looks around and goes, okay, look, we got guys like a, a Kenta who might stick around and, and, and need a big spot. A guy like a Sonata who's going to need a bigger spot. A guy like a Shingo who's going to move up the ladder. There's so many other guys. And, and And now almost more than ever, they have a next crew ready to go. That it might be time for Tanahashi to take a step back, and 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 it's going to be it, it's it's bizarre to think about because a lot of our lives he's been like a top guy in New Japan. A lot of our a lot of people listening to the show they've only known in New Japan where Tanahashi is like a top guy, but hey, it might be at that point now. It might really be. I think this this one is very telling. The the point totals, the quick eliminations, the way he's worked, it's all kind of felt like it was deliberate to say, hey, look, this guy is he's getting cycled down a little bit, but. It's Tanahashi, man. You you never know. It could rise up again real quickly if if need be. He's always there as a utility guy, and he's always there to go to if they need him at at, at a moment's notice. But it does feel like this is the first big sign in in a couple years of him starting to trend down a little bit.
0: Would you rather see Tanahashi Liger or Suzuki Liger? (sighs) If those are your two options for Oh, man. They
1: did such a good job with that Suzuki Liger. I think – okay, here's the thing. I think the story that they told with Suzuki Liger – I would enjoy that getting paid off, but I think Tanahashi Liger could be like an all-time moment. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like in five years, I think I'm going to remember that Tanahashi and Liger had a Wrestle Kingdom match. Then I'll remember that Suzuki and Liger had a match, even if the Suzuki-Liger match has been built up better. Because I think the Tanahashi one has a chance to be really good, too. Whereas I don't know that the Suzuki one could, it could be really that good. I think it'll be fun. It'd be interesting. It'd be gifable, but I don't know that it'd be good. I have no doubt that Tanahashi Liger would tear the house down at Wrestle Kingdom.
0: See, I thought they started planting the seeds for Suzuki Liger way too soon. So I never really totally bought into the idea that that would be the dome match. Um, Because they started, what what was that, in the spring? I mean, that was ridiculous how, you know, they weren't going to drag that on for a full year. So I don't know. I really like the idea of Tanahashi Liger, especially from the perspective of you need a match that's going to fill that dome back-to-back nights. Uh, we know they could fill it once, but to fill it twice, and it seems like they're going to headline with the Liger match on one of those shows. There's a poster out with Liger as the only wrestler on the poster you know, with the two dates, 1-4 and 1-5. So um, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But if they're cycling Tanahashi down, that's a, that's a perfect Wrestle Kingdom or whatever they're going to call those shows. I don't know if they're both going to be called Wrestle Kingdom, whatever, but people know what I'm talking about. That's a perfect Wrestle Kingdom match, I think, for a guy if they really are finally going to downcycle him a bit. So yeah. uh, let's argue about Willow Spray versus Kenta because we kind of already know what we think of it because we were, once again, we had the split personality Twitter account going today. And it's like, you didn't dig it all that much. Well, I'll let you speak for yourself. I'll tell you what I thought about it though. Cause I, this might be one of those instances where it's like, maybe you did like it, but I don't know. I'll let you talk. But let, I'll go first. I thought this was fucking great. I mean, I, 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 I'm watching this match, and while it's very obvious to me that Will Ospreay is the better wrestler here, and that's not even, I mean, we knew that, though. Like, Will Ospreay is arguably the best wrestler in the world, and a big theme of this tournament and Kent's comeback has been that he's been pretty good, but... It's it's, it's not 2005, and we're not going to wind the climb back, clock back 15 years. And I think we've all accepted that. But he's been pretty good. And I, I think he's been more than pretty good. I think he's just been flat out good. He's had two or three matches that I think were pretty great. And the rest of his matches were fine. And he comes into this one. And he, here's what I think of this match. I thought this was an awesome match that I loved every second of, and it got me off my couch and at the same time i thought to myself god if this if, if if willow spray could have just been around in 2005 or if kenta could have come out of a time machine to wrestle willow spray in 2019 this could have been all time good and i think both of those things can be true at the same time i mean why can't we accept that kenta has lost a step while also saying that he still has very good matches and that this match fucking rocked. I don't understand why people have to like draw battle lines and fall on one side or the other. Both of those things can both be true. And, and, and that's kind of like my overriding thought of the match while also preemptively defending myself against your counter argument. Even though I don't really know entirely what you're going to say. So, what did you think of the match?
1: So so I enjoyed it. I, I went four stars with it. Maybe not as oh, much Jesus as Jesus
0: Christ. Were- you went four stars yes. on the match? <laughs> Yeah, I still said the way my- you were talking. I thought you were going to go like no, two and
1: three quarters or something. God no no it was great. It was good. I mean there was there was the slip up. where we kind of slipped up and had a little bit of a, a a miscue there. And and they worked it into the match fine. And, and and that didn't that didn't really bother me all that much. The thing that got me afterwards, and, and it was kind of interesting because a lot of people a lot of people then jumped onto my tweet of saying like yeah I thought it sucked. And I was like whoa oh, no I, I definitely didn't say that I thought it sucked. I thought it was a very good match. To me, though, what struck me is Will Ospreay just seemed like he was so much better than Kenta. And it's so weird to have that thought in your head that, like, Will Ospreay goes in this match and, and blows Kenta away. I think I think this was arguably – I mean, Will Ospreay's had some better matches this entire G1, but this might have been his best performance because it felt like he was dictating the pace, like he was the one that was out there kind of calling the match, doing everything – I don't want, I'm don't. i not going to say carry. I'm not going to use the word carry because Kenta probably doesn't need to be carried. But it felt like Will Ospreay was the guy that was kind of the, the, the main guy in charge of getting this match where it got to. And it got to some pretty good points, but it felt like at, at times Kenta was trying to match up with Will Ospreay, and he can't. And that's nothing against Kenta. It's just kind of like we have to kind of rebalance our thoughts on this, is that he's not going to be a guy that's going to step into 2019 against the best high flyer, one of the fastest, smoothest wrestlers in the world, and it's going to look like a million bucks up against that guy. He's just not going to. So it's one of these weird things where like Kenta can have a good match, but at the same time, it unfortunately just feels like, oh man, like that other guy is so much better than him. And I thought that was just kind of weird because I, there was, there was a decade where I never thought that Kenta was in the ring with somebody that was better than him. You you know what I mean? I always thought he was the best guy. And now you're kind of seeing him after the five years in WWE, after so much growth has happened in pro wrestling around him, that a guy like Will Ospreay, who's younger, more athletic, more polished or whatever at this point in his career, goes in there and blows Kenta away in a match. And, and that's all my thought was. It's not a negative against Kenta. It's more of a positive against Will Ospreay than it is sort of. Does that make sense? Like, people kind of took it as me bad-mouthing Kenta, and it's not necessarily that. I think he was fine in this match. And I think he's been good this entire tournament. He just hasn't been great. I don't know what people think that they're going to get out of Kenta these days. And I think that's maybe one of an issue. Like you said, you can't turn that clock back. You can't go back to 2005. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. But to me, it was just it was startling how much better I thought Will Ospreay was in this match.
0: See, okay, And, and that's, that's my biggest takeaway, I think. Maybe that's it, because I'm not surprised by that. I, I've been watching Kent to wrestle the last five years. I knew that Will Ospreay was way better than him. And I don't know, maybe, like you're saying, some people are, like yourself maybe, are just coming to that realization now. Okay, he's not at that t- at that tier or that level anymore. And maybe this match... Was the one that really sunk that in for you? Is that right. kind of what you're saying? Yeah,
1: no, exactly. Yeah, and 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 our friend Alan uh, Alan Cunahan had kind of a similar thought on Twitter as well, and and I obviously respect his opinion, and he's a guy who loves Kenta, and he kind of said, I I have to admit, like you kind of see that Kenta is a different tier these days. He's just not that top, top tier wrestler. And that's fine. It's fine if he's the second or third tier of for wrestlers. It's fine if he comes to New Japan and, and he's here full time or whatever. And he's not as good as Okada or Okota Bushi or Will Osprey or, or, or Shingo Takagi or, or Tomohiro Ishii. That's fine. It's okay that he's just a second tier guy. But this is the first time where it really to me felt like, okay, this isn't a guy that's really chasing his his past. It's just a guy that that just can't. he's not going to be the best ever, ever again. You know what I mean? He's never going to be that top guy. He's never going to be the best worker ever. And he's going to have matches now and in the future where he's not the best guy in a match. And it's just, it's hard to kind of fathom. It's hard to kind of wrap your head around that. And and that's, that's, I think my overall thought.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. I was never envisioning him as that guy while I was watching this tournament though. I kind of knew this is a different guy i i I did a long audio segment on that maybe on night three where it was like hey look this is a different guy now and we should just be watching this guy instead of watching some ghosts from the past watch the guy that's in there because the guy that's in there is having really good matches
1: yes yeah yes yeah if it was if it was wrestler x if he was named anything other than kenta he'd have a great tournament, <laughs> you know? I think people would be saying that he's had a great tournament as well. It's just the expectations have been, just been sky high for everything that he's done.
0: The Okada match was great. The the Tanahashi match was great. The Evil match, I thought, was an excellent match. And I loved this match. I went four and a quarter on this. So it's not like we're worlds apart. And I'm not saying it's a match of the year contender. But this was a satisfying Willow Spray versus kenta match to me i mean um this was to me comparable to a high-end 205 live main event and i watched that show week in and week out and when those main events land this is about the level that they land on and to me i was watching this and i don't know whether it's because he was just in 205 but i'm watching this thinking that's the thought that came across my head i was like wow this is like one of those high level 205 live main events is what I felt like I was watching, which always, you know, people listen to the Thursday TV reviews. They always land for me like four, four and a quarter, you know, somewhere in that range. And I'm like, no one's watching these matches and it's a shame because they fucking rule, you know? And to me, that's what this was. I mean, there were sequences in this that, that were awesome. I mean, he, he gives them the Falcon arrow on the apron and then they have like this you know, crazy sequence when they get back in the ring, which ends with a, with an Osprey sit-out powerbomb. So then Osprey goes for the shooting star press, and Kenta gets the knees up, and then he puts him in the game over. And he has him in the game over, and at this point, the crowd, Rich, is on fire. And what's cool about this, and there's different opinions on this, and I want your opinion on it, there is a segment of the New Japan fan base that rejects this man, Kenta. They don't want him, they don't care about him, they're booing him, and I think he feeds off of it. I think it enhances his matches. There's oh, some for people, sure.
1: No, I agree. Yeah, 100%. there's other
0: people who think it's bad and it's hurting the dynamic, and I think it's adding to it because he's Kenta, a prick. It's Kenta. Mad, he feeds <laughs> off of it. I think he's feeding off it. The it's pred- an all-time
1: prick. Are you kidding?
0: <laughs> they were they were trying to chant Osprey, and then Kenta was kicking Will in the chest in tune with the chant right. to stop the chant. And I'm like, this is great. Like, this is so good. Like, I'm losing my mind. So the crowd is red hot at that point. And then he hits the Biseiku knee. And then he puts the pad down. And I'm like, oh, man. Break this motherfucker's nose. I'm like, so I'm into this match that much. I'm so excited, right? So he gets him up. And then Will does, like, the fucking roll up, like, off of the go to sleep. And then he does like the uh, the high kick, and and he and 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 then the uh, the ass cutter for the near fall wasn't the stormbreaker yet, and then um, then he went for a stormbreaker, but Kenta got out of the first stormbreaker, and then um, I, I can't quite remember uh, what. I, oh, oh, and then uh, then then Will hit like the hook kick. He hit the hook kick, and 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 that like uh, knocked him loopy. And then um, there might. Oh, and then the hidden blade, the hidden yeah, blade. Yeah. Oh,
1: that was sick. Yeah, was that, that, that sounded so great. Good.
0: That was the sequence. He hit it, it it's it's um Kenta escaped the Stormbreaker, Will hit the hook kick, and then he hit a gorgeous hidden blade. I mean, one of the best ones he's hit in the tournament. The best one maybe since the Kota Ibushi won at Wrestle Kingdom. And then uh and then he hit the Stormbreaker and pinned him. And it's like I'm just listening to myself go through the spots and uh, and, and I'm excited. Like, I don't know. I thought it was fucking great. And maybe it's because this is my all time favorite wrestler, and maybe my like probably my current favorite wrestler i've never really thought about it in those terms but he willow spray is probably my favorite current wrestler i mean that maybe maybe that's why but i watched this and i they gave me the match that i fucking wanted and maybe it's because i wasn't expecting 2005 kenta versus 2019 willow spray and i was just expecting 2019 kenta versus 2019 willow spray the kenta who has had awesome matches in this tournament in his own way now you know and and I think, you know, it's like maybe people just need to come around and accept, look, these are the matches he's having now. And you either right. dig these or you don't. And I'm not even saying you have to dig them, right? Like the evil match. I-, I thought that was a great match. Like, if you didn't think that match was great, if you don't dig this version of Kenta, I get it. But I'm digging this version of Kenta. You know, I, I think the viciousness and the nastiness, if-, if it's not all the way back, it's close. You know, I don't think it was all the way back in Dallas, but I think he's gotten it back as we've moved along. And, you know, <laughs> this was – I don't know. Like I enjoyed the shit out of it. I went back and watched it again because I was getting upset. I'm like, what the fuck? Did I like – maybe I'm way off here. And I went back and watched and it's like, yeah, there was the one springboard thing and then there was the one other little awkward spot before the Will sit-out powerbomb where he's supposed to catch him clean and but Kent landed on his feet. and Big deal. Like if you weren't even paying close attention, you wouldn't have noticed. And then he just power bombed him anyway. Like – I think sometimes we go overboard with slightly awkward spots. Those aren't botches. That's just things get a little. Listen, this shit is hard. And sometimes these guys make it look real fucking easy. But the more athletic that pro wrestling gets, the harder it gets to execute this stuff. And it's like, you know, and and, and independent of this match, I mean, we've seen it, you know, in other matches too. People will bring up like these minor things and it's like, I don't know. A lot of times I could overlook that. Like a botch to me is like a fucking botch where shit goes wrong and it derails the match and and they got to fucking start over from scratch or uh, they have to abandon something. It, to me, if a guy has a, you know, a, a minor fucking – loses grip of someone temporarily, it, it, like those aren't botches. And I think sometimes – and I'm guilty of it too. I think all of us are just so, a little too hypercritical when it comes to that stuff sometimes. And, again, I'm not even talking about this match anymore. I'm just talking in general because this kind of yeah. triggered me on that topic. You know what
1: I mean? Right, right. Like- no, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I think 2019 and 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 it's, it's you know, the botchamania and that sort of thing, which is great. I mean, I love the web series. I enjoy it like hell. But I think it's made people a little bit more hyper aware of every single botch and every little screw up and every little thing. Because we go, oh, there you go. That, that, that's going to that's gonna make it to the video. That's going to go on there. And that's fine. Like, that's kind of – but it's all in, like, a joking – I don't necessarily think, like, unless, like you said, unless it derails a match completely, but some guys are good at integrating it into a match, like making a botch, making a slip-up, and then kind of deciding, okay, well, now let's adapt to it. Let's let's figure out a way to do that. I mean, what one of the best examples I, I've ever seen of it, maybe the all-time greatest example of turning a botch into something successful is, is and I bring this up all the time when I when I talk about botches with people, is uh, the Sasuke Liger match from um, uh, New Japan, where, where Sasuke gets to the top rope and slips off and falls down, and Liger just kind of, like, you know, <laughs> sarcastically claps at him, and it helped the crowd got into it. Like, yeah, fuck this guy. Yeah. Who's this invader? Yeah. Fuck, this. Yeah, fuck him. You know, what's he think he's going to come to our company and our territory or whatever and come here with his stupid high flying, and this guy sucks. And, like, it made the match that much better. Like, that match is a thousand times better because Sasuke falls off the top rope. And, and that yeah. makes it, it enhances it. In a lot of ways, if if Sasuke then sort of went back to the top rope and Liger had to sell it, like, yeah, then it would have sucked because it would have been like, oh, geez, that really was like a, they completely blew the hell out of that. But the best things are like when a little slip up happens and guys just sort of adapt to it and move around because it makes it feel more natural. It makes it feel more normal because no, this shit's not always going to be a thousand percent perfect. It's not always going to be where everything that's done is exactly the way it's supposed to be. So yeah, some stuff gets a little just like crazy. Like, Oh, he slipped slightly. All right. Well, there goes two stars or whatever. It's like, Holy shit guys. Like reel it in a little bit. Like who cares? I
0: don't, here's the thing. I don't let that stuff get in my way. Unless it gets in my way, does that make sense?
1: Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely.
0: When, when it takes me out of it, yes, I'm like ah, you know that, you know that, that, that. But if it doesn't take me out of it, I don't go out of my way to make sure that it bothers me. And and you know, I, I'm not sure. I think sometimes people are a little hypercritical when it comes to that. So Sabu is another guy who would botch constantly. Okay, it's legendary. You'd watch the matches live in ECW. And then the TV version would be – you know, Heyman would clean it up and you'd think the guy – but live, he had six botches. I mean he botched constantly to the point where it it actually – rich, but eventually it became became endearing. Like he'd set up that fucking chair and you'd all hold your – the whole place would hold their breath.
1: Well, it played into his maniac character yes. too, because he was just an idiot. You're like, dude, don't do it. You know it's not going to work. Why are you doing this? But you're like, well, Sabu is an idiot. Nope. It ended He's going to try. It, so.
0: Exactly. It ended up becoming part of his persona, and it became endearing. And there were times where Sabu would botch, and he would just sell it, you know. And, and it's like it became a thing where people started becoming skeptical. Like, is he botching on purpose to sell, to eat, to feed into his the gimmick? Like you're saying. And it became blurred lines and his botches became part of the charm, you know, and it's like, so, you know, that's another good example of, of where botches can work for you a- instead of just being neutral or working against you and taking you out of a match. But, you know, it's like, I don't know, the stuff I saw in this match, I wouldn't classify those as botches. I would classify those as sloppy work, minor, uh, you know, a little thing. And, and yeah. You know, it's like, and again, I'm not saying that this was a five star classic and my match of the year, but I'm saying I'm not letting, you know, Will Spray losing his grip temporarily on a powerbomb spot and then immediately drilling the powerbomb anyway. That didn't get in the way of me enjoying what I thought was a great match. Right, right. You know, it, I agree. it was, and I didn't, and I'll be completely honest, I didn't even notice the one until I watched the match the second time. So I don't know. I mean, it must not have been too. Egregious to me the first time around if I didn't even fucking see it, and believe me, this is not Willow Spray Kenta. Okay, is not a match where Joe Lanser is fucking around on his phone. Okay, this is a match where the eyes are fucking peeled, the kids are locked in their fucking rooms, and and the phone is in the other room because you know this is Willow Spray and Kenta. You know, so I'm paying super sharp attention, and I'm not even it. Then I'm going online, and people are like, "Ah, it was the sloppiest fucking match I ever saw," and I'm like. I had to go back and watch again, because I, I was like, what the fuck? Am I just watching through rose-colored glasses? And maybe I am.
1: Probably, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little maybe, bit. You're... And
0: maybe I am.
1: But Again, like I, a I context thing. If this was two guys you hated, you might be, ah, oh, these fucking assholes, they suck. Maybe. They're sloppy, yeah.
0: But, you know, I, I don't know. But I went and watched again, and I was like, nope, still fucking great. So, I don't know. I thought it was a great match. I went four and a quarter. I thought the way you were talking, but maybe it was the way people were reacting to you, which affected it maybe.
1: I I I think so too. Because, yeah, the the, the replies I got were like, whoa, hold on. That's not what I was saying at all. Like, hold on. Chill out a little bit. So,
0: I don't know. To be fair, your tweet does say very good, right? Yeah, exactly. uh, And that's, you know, I don't know. But um, that was Willow Spray over Kenta. So Will wins really his second match because he had a DQ win in there. Okay, so this was like his second – true win win so he's right. got six points by
1: the way rich's right folder on that one by the way but i won't brag so i'll brag after
0: yeah want, no I, I mean you picked them for two uh yeah, maybe was, he went a little bit more than two but still i mean he, may, he might finish with eight i mean pump the brakes here but you the general idea is a lot of people thought he was going to score like 12 points and you were like you're out of your fucking minds it's that's not going to happen so from that point of view yeah you uh
1: yeah, people at shingo and will at like 12 and 10 and uh, 14, and I'm like, no. Guys, come on. <laughs> it's not going to happen.
0: I mean, the guy is in 7th place, so you were right. You know, and he, and that's only because of a tiebreaker because he beat Folly head-to-head by DQ. He didn't even beat the guy. So, uh, you know, you, or, I'm sorry, 8th place, right? E- yeah, he's in 8th Yeah, yeah, place.
1: yeah, because he's, he's below, yeah, he's even below, by, uh, yeah, because, yeah, Sabre beat him and 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 Folly beat him, so.
0: Well, no, he's got or, six. He
1: beat Folly, yeah, yeah, right, right.
0: Oh wait, 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 I forgot Sabre. Yeah, so Saber's in there. Oh, uh, so he's like in a tie for seventh with those two jerks. Mm-hmm. The point is he's somewhere between seventh and ninth, which means, you know, that's that's the area, that's the part of town that Rich Craig picked him for. So I'm taking
1: the victory lap regardless, um, so.
0: Yeah, so We'll ignore it if he wins his next match and finishes. Like, yeah, of course.
1: Oh, of course not. No, right now I'm just saying it, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll forget this next week.
0: So. Yeah, we won't even talk about it probably because we'll we'll talk about the G1 final. We won't talk about those block finals. That's that's for me to do behind this. That's meeting. old news. Yeah, you're not even responsible <laughs> for that. Yeah, so you just take your lap now, and by then no one, you know, we won't even talk about it. Kota Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr. So this was a big match because Kota Ibushi needed to win. To uh, because you know, if, if he would have lost and then Okada loses uh, and then Okada wins, I'm sorry, then Abushi's done. So, big match for Abushi here from the kayfabe perspective. Gets in there with Zach. Um, the idea here was Zach was trying to ground Abushi for this match, and it actually played into Abushi's ankle injury because he has done less flying in the tournament whether that's by design, whether that's because the ankles really hurt. I don't really care. The point is they're working us and the story of his tournament has been that he's flying a lot less. So this style of match really played into that. And, uh, if he is really hurt, it allowed him to rest up and not, you know, worry about running around and flying around because Sabre was really grounding him here. And then, um, you know, as, as expected, which I think hurt the match a little bit, uh, abushi won it in the end with the kamagoya uh the match ending kamagoya uh i thought looked very weak and i thought that um, that was really it, it reminded me of kenta's go to sleep on abushi in dallas where i was like oh that looked like shit you know what i mean you really want the match ending move to look like it has some snap and um, zach just didn't take that move very well most people it looks like he's decapitating him when he throws that knee but um, at the end of the day, I thought it was a, a very good match. I can't call it a great match. Uh, I like the story that they told, and I thought the work down the stretch was great. I did not like the way the finish looked. I'd go three and three quarters, maybe four, somewhere in that neighborhood. What would you think of this one?
1: I think I think I liked it a little bit better than you. Uh, I'm four flat with it. Uh, I thought the work was, like you said, the story being told of let's of you know, ground Kotobushi and, and Dexter Jr. being the perfect guy to kind of work over the ankle and, 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 and ground him and, and and keep him on the mat or whatever, I think worked pretty well. And and I was in all of it. I mean, it wasn't like I was, I won't say I was like super captivated by it. I've seen better matches between these two guys and they've had better matches before, but I still think it was pretty damn good. I mean, I, I, in, in this G1, it's going to get swallowed up and it will not obviously be something that we'll talk about at the end of the G1. It's not something that's going to pop up any match of the year list, but I think it was a good, solid match and it, it fit perfectly on the show that was doing uh, pretty well as well. But yeah, I liked it a, maybe a little bit more than you, but it's one of these ones that like i mean how much can i rave about it when like we've had this entire tournament and it's like it's probably what the 25th best match i've seen in this tournament which is more high praise than the rest of this tournament but it's like you know it, it it's just been a nuts so something like this', this just a well-worked solid match is kind of it, it feels a little underwhelming at times
0: okay so then we had okada and evil and uh, okada here evil still with a flicker of hope coming into this match believe it or not But because he loses to Okada, he is now mathematically eliminated. Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero struggling with the G1
1: match. (laughs) We've been there, buddies. We've been there, guys. We know, um, we know. know.
0: They changed their mind 19 times as to whether Evil was alive or not before this match started as they were doing the G1 math live on the air.
1: Yeah, Kevin Kelly could not wait for Okada to pin him, so he could say, yes, see, evil is now officially out. First (laughs) thing he said. (laughs) Right, ding, 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 there we go. No more math needed. And evil is
0: eliminated, I think, with the first words out (laughs) of his mouth as he exhaled as they blew the G1 math badly. It's like Kelly was blowing the G1 math, and Rocky was just agreeing with everything he was saying because Rocky didn't care. It was like Kelly was like, so evil is already eliminated here and rocky was like yep yep and then kelly would go no <laughs> like well no, actually no, right. he's, he's not, actually yeah. alive and Ke- and rocky was like yeah 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 like he didn't rocky didn't. A- <laughs> yeah
1: rocky doesn't give a fuck about this shit and kevin kelly's a nerd like us so he's trying to sound smart and trying to act like he knows the scenarios again we've been there we've been there a thousand times we're about to be there in a minute here but uh sometimes you get caught in this loop and yeah the one guy doesn't give a shit yeah. And you're just trying like hell to weasel your way out of it. Hoping that the other guy goes, no, Kevin, actually I looked at it and evil's eliminated, but no. <laughs> was like, he was getting no help. Rocky was just going to sit there. Rocky doesn't give a doesn't fuck. Give. He's just like, whatever, dude. <laughs>
0: he just kept saying, yep. Yep. No matter what Kevin said. Yep. Yep. You know, no, no help whatsoever. No, no, no uh, attempt to help with the math. No looking at any, he didn't have a sheet in front of him. He's just sitting there with his hand, arms folded, just agreeing with everything Kelly had to say. So, um, Kelly out there on an Island, uh, drowning in the g1 math the way all of us have i go through the g1 math before i do my audio every day with a fine tooth comb and i come in ready and i come prepared and i lay it all out and then some nerd after they listen to the show, comes in and inevitably tells me I'm wrong. Yeah, Jeff Cobb
1: actually, if this scenario happens, Jeff Cobb can actually win.
0: Well, if there's a seven-way tie, (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck? Why did I waste an hour working all this out? If you're just going to come in with your fancy fucking spreadsheet and tell me that if there's a seven-way tie with all of these exact – If everybody
1: draws except for Jeff Cobb,
0: (laughs) then Jeff Cobb still has a chance. So it's like I finally have given up. And I've implemented the Black X, Red X system for eliminations, okay? If I think you're probably eliminated, I give you a Black X. If I know that you're eliminated for sure because you can't match the point total of the guy in first, I give you the Red X. And if uh, if the nerds want to come in and correct me, they're more than welcome to. But, um, yeah, point here, Okada defeats evil, and now it's very simple in this block. It's Okada, it's Bushi, the winner moves on and everybody else is out. So you've got four meaningless block matches in Budokan. How do you feel about that? Would you like at least one other match where a guy has a flicker of hope?
1: A little bit. Yeah, I'm a little worried that, like, it's just like a guy like a... Like, Kenta and Sabre is just going to now have just, like, a match, which is fine. I don't care that much, but it would just... I don't know. I would have liked a little bit more of those other guys. You want to tell the story with Sanahashi? I get that. I would have loved Kenta and Sabre to have a little bit to their story, Sonata and Fale, like, I get where Fale is at at this point. So I don't, I, I guess I'm not too worried about that one that much. I guess there's not a ton of other scenarios that I really, really would have played out. But I do, I, I do dislike that Kent and Sabre doesn't matter. I would have had Kenta at least in the mix until this final night. And then Sabre kind of plays spoiler and knocks him out or whatever. But you
0: know what they could have done very easily? They could have had Evil beat Okada. And then Okada, Ibushi would still determine the block if Evil lost to whoever he's facing on the final night.
1: Uh, Yeah, and Evil's got Archer. Evil's got Archer on the last night, which would be (laughs) a good send off too to have Archer just beat Evil. Yeah, and and bookend his yeah, but eliminate him, bookend his G one, which I think is a good story to tell. uh, With that, Evil then looks you know pretty valiant because he was in the mix, but then Archer, who doesn't you know probably get out of the bottom of the bracket, probably still tied for last, but still gets that last big visual win over Evil. Evil loses nothing. Archer loses nothing. Still matters a little bit. Yeah, there, there's, there's a few other scenarios I would have done. I don't love that, like, nothing else matters except for that one match.
0: Yeah, I mean, because Kenta technically was alive coming into the night, too. But, and, and you could have kept him alive as well if he would have won and Evil would have won. Because Kenta, the only scenario where he would have won the block is a four-way tie with bushy, Evil, and Okada all at 12. Right. All four, if all four of them were at 12, Kenta would have advanced. You could have easily had Kenta beat Will Spray. That means nothing. Okay, and then had Evil beat Okada, and then you could have had the Kenta match and the Evil match be meaningful on the final night, but then just have them get upset, right? You could have Evil lose to Archer, have Kenta lose to Zack Sabre Jr., and that eliminates them as you go, right? So that gives it a little more juice, and then you still get to your end game of Ibushi versus Okada for the block. The only caveat there is they probably don't want Okada losing to Evil, and that's really what it comes down right. to. Right. So, you know, it's like, that's the trade-off. Do we keep a couple more guys alive into the last night, or do we just keep booking our dominant champions? Right, and
1: and that's what they did. They had Kotobushi basically run through as many people as he could possibly run through, and Okada ran through everybody. So it was just like, yeah, these are our two stars. They're going to face off in the final night to determine the G1, which I, I enjoy the simplicity, but I also, part of me kind of misses the crazy okay here we go evil could yeah evil still in the mix but i i do i can't knock the idea of just push the guys that are stars and Just and to be everybody.
0: fair you're gonna get the wildness in the other block
1: oh are you are you ready for this i'm ready all this. right i think i got it i'm sure someone is gonna say are, do you have it as well have you oh,
0: we gotta quickly talk about okada evil so we'll we'll blow through that quick so um i think you loved it right i, I did mean, okay so you talk about it first because i have a feeling you liked it more than i did
1: Okay, so yeah, I'm probably about four and a quarter on this one. Uh, I really, really, I thought it all kind of built up towards a pretty good end. Like that's always gonna be the thing when you have when you have Evil and Okada. Like their finishing stretches are always great. That's Okada's hallmark: is that the last five ten minutes of his match is going to be incredible. But I thought the the build was kind of nice where Evil's kind of got a little bit of the power. Evil's kind of working him over a little bit, but then Okada slowly but surely starts kind of rising up, rising up, rising up, rising up. Evil has a little bit of hope spots at the end, and then Okada just kind of puts him away. I think it was, it was simple enough to it, – it, it told a story where Evil never – necessarily felt like he was going to win the match but it also felt like he wasn't completely dominated by okada because he got a little bit of the offense and okada then slowly sort of works his way back up works his way back up gets the victory really good finishing sequence between the two where evil at some points feels like okay maybe evil's gonna do the upset here maybe evil's gonna shock the world do it here but then you never really doubted that okada was gonna do it so it, it worked in that way where like i i there's there's a way to book this match and there's ways that, like, people would book it where, like, Evil felt like he was going to win. Like, you'd have two counts where you're like, oh, my God, Evil's going to win. And, like, that sort of – and that style's fun. I enjoy that style sometimes. I never at any point – I don't think the crowd at any point ever thought Evil was going to win. But they still worked it in a way that that made it interesting in the final stretch. That made some of the final spots they did, some of the back and forth that they did still interesting, even though it never at any point felt like Okada really was going to lose this match. So, so I enjoyed that way that they did it, and I thought that Okada – I think it just was, uh, you know, he's obviously not done yet. He's going to have one more incredible match. But I thought it was like a capstone to how awesome of a G1 he's had so far of just like, my God, this guy is just going out there in the main events every single night and just absolutely killing it. And, and this is a match he could have easily taken off. This is a match he easily could have just phoned in because he's going to have a big one at the end of this weekend, but he goes out there and does everything that he can to have another great match with Evil. So was it, yeah, again, was it like best of the G1? No way. Is it going to be in my top 20? Probably not, but still four and a half or, or four and a quarter. With I, I went with it, and, and I still thought it was, it was good and a great way to kind of end the show as well. I think a, a perfect ending to this show.
0: I think a lot of times people talk about Okada and – the, the the reputation now that has gained steam is the guy does nothing for 20 minutes and then has a really good five minute closing stretch. I think that's so unfair.
1: No, it's bullshit. Um,
0: yeah. I, I almost never agree with it. Um, I, you know, I didn't agree with it in the Kenny Omega matches, which I thought were incredible matches from start to finish. Even the super long ones. Um, I didn't agree with it in the MSG match with Jay White. I didn't agree with it. Um, you know, for a lot of his matches where I think it's just shit people say now, and I don't think it's fair. Um, with that said, this match, I thought, was was very dull until the closing stretch. Um, this was one, I think, where I think the criticism is fair. I didn't like this match as much as you did. The closing stretch, of course, was phenomenal. I think this is what happens, too, with Okada. I think he's so great at closing stretches that it overshadows oh, the rest no of the no doubt.
1: Matches. No, absolutely. He's the greatest... Closing stretch wrestler ever but that doesn't mean that the rest Of his shit sucks because it's not as good as the closing Stretches
0: Right I I think that sometimes His great closing stretches overshadow What happened previously in the match I don't you know um, But but this Was one where I think I Can live with that critique if someone said That this match was boring until the Because I think up until Evil did his chair thing Which I think he needs to stop Doing every match You know, where he wraps the one chair around the guy's head and then hits it with the other chair. He should not, you know, he should take a lesson from, like, Lance Archer, who I've been talking about all tournament long. He did the moonsault twice the entire tour. He did the the springboard moonsault off the rope walk once in his entire life. He doesn't do the blackout every match. He, He teases it almost every match, but I think he's hit it, like, once He's a guy who, you know, the fucking slam is a move you don't see all the time. Um, It's like he's a guy who really spaces out his shit, doesn't try to cram everything into every match. That chair shot that Evil does would be so much more effective if he didn't do it every single match. Save it for the big matches. Save it for the big rivalries. Save it for title matches or blowoffs or against someone who you're in a long blood feud with. He does it every single match, and it's like, it's really impressive looking, but I can't really buy it as super dangerous when he does it to everyone and people just overcome it and win anyway. It should be a move. That should be something he does only in matches that he wins. You know what I mean? Like, do that in a match where then it means that you're going to win because you've done this fucking heinous looking chair shot to this person's head. It's very diluted, but. The point I was making was the match picked up a little bit after that point, because uh, then he worked over Okada a little, and then the, you know Okada had to overcome that, and then the closing stretch was phenomenal. But um, it's it's funny, I'm defending Okada over something that I'm critiquing him for in the match we're talking about, which is weird, but I I think that criti- that criticism of him is wholly unfair. But I think it's unfair for this match, so it's probably a bad, probably a bad show to bring that point up.
2: Right, <laughs> right, right, right.
0: But, that, but, that, but that's what I'm doing here. But anyway, um, he wins. It now comes down to him and Abushi, and now you want to talk about this. Uh... Oh, but quickly, just to follow my own thing, um, no- nothing changes for my top ten matches, so. None of these were good enough to crack the top 10. So the top 10 remains the same as as I as I said on the last paywall show. And then, um, yeah, we'll go over the uh, B-Block scenarios now and then look forward at what's coming up. So, Rich, go ahead.
1: All right. So here we go. So we said the A-Block, Okada, Ibushi, nice and easy. That's it. B-Block, yeah. everybody is still in except for Cobb, Taiichi, and Shingo Takagi. But a lot of Black X's here, though, as you said. So, okay. I think this is correct. I might be wrong. Uh, credit to Suit Williams and also blame to Suit Williams, uh, voice wrestling contributor Suit Williams, because uh, he he worked these scenarios out. So if they're wrong, blame him, not me. But <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I right.
0: cross checked these. I think we're they- good. I,
1: I looked at it too, and I couldn't. I, I asked a bunch of people, "Hey, do you see anything wrong with this?" and and it didn't seem like.
0: I didn't find anything wrong with them, but there's this fucking nerd. I'm going to get his name. Because
1: <laughs> he finds some way.
0: <laughs> yeah, hold on. You you go ahead. I'm going to find Okay,
1: guys' name. Uh, I'll go ahead. So, okay, so everybody is still alive. So Toroyano Yano can win this block if he wins out and Mox, Goto, lose out, and White, Juice, and Ishii lose one, okay? So that's how that sort of scenario works out there. Juice wins if he wins out and Ishii Naito lose out and Goto loses one okay? Ishii wins. If he wins out and Mox loses, and Naito and Goto lose one as well. So, a lot of scenarios there. Goto okay. is... Okay, Hold go on. ahead. Yeah.
0: A lot of people are rooting for Ishii. Okay? So, let's go over that one again slowly. Okay. He has to win out, correct? Yes. Then what else needs to happen? So, he needs to win his matches. That part's easy.
1: Right. What he else needs to win everything to else moving forward. So, he has to win everything mox has to lose the rest of his matches john mox has to lose all of his matches which is a lot of the scenarios here is that mox has to lose all of his matches so that's fine he can do that he can definitely nail that one but also naito and goto have to lose at least one of their upcoming two matches as of this recording okay okay yeah so that's how she does it win out mox loses out and then goto and naito have to lose another match as well okay which isn't totally impossible that that could happen. It's not going to happen, but it's not impossible that That's could what
0: the Ishii fans need to root for.
1: Right. The Juice and the Yano one, I mean, those are as black Xs as you can – or no, what is it, red Xs as humanly possible. Okay, like, now,
0: I, I have a counter here. Here's the nerd. The nerd is Gavin Robertson. Okay, this guy's a subscriber. He says Yano's out. Okay. He says Yano was eliminated when, when Goto beat Cobb because for Yano to advance, there had to be a six or seven-way tie at the top with 10. And that one seemingly unrelated result swung the balance, so every six or seven-way tie had to feature Goto, who has beaten more of the guys who need to get to 10 points than Yano has. You following that? I
1: do, yeah, sort of.
0: Yano can still get the six or seven-way tie with 10, but the problem is because Goto beat Cobb, any of those six or seven-way ties must involve Goto now, and Goto has beaten more of those people that would be involved in that tie than Yano has. Right. So he's saying Yano is out. Okay, now, so... what, now, what it, was suit scenario for Yano?
1: Uh, suit scenario that, that he laid out was Yano wins out, Mox and Goto lose out, and then White, Juice, Ishii, and Naito all lose one match.
0: So that would leave Mox at 10, Goto at 8.
1: White would at max have to lose – he'd have to lose at least one moving forward.
0: Hold on, hold on. Yano would have 8. No, Yano would have 10 if he wins.
1: 10, down. yeah, because he'd be, he'd be he'd Jeff playing. Cobb and then Taichi is his next Mox
0: series. losing out would be 10 as well. Goto lose – you're right. He, he found a way to get Goto out of there and keep him at 8, right? So then what else was the other thing after Goto?
1: So then, Goto has to, yeah, as I said, Goto has to lose out, and then White Juice Ishi and Naito all have to lose one match.
0: Okay, here's why. Here's why. Uh, uh, Gavin Robertson's right, and Suit is wrong. Goto faces Mox, so Mox and Goto cannot lose out.
1: Ah, there we go. Okay, so, so one of those Gavin guys has to lose. So Gavin Robertson
0: is correct. Yano's how out.
1: dare we? Yeah, how dare we doubt him? He had it. There you go. See,
0: I, 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 I smelled it. It was sounded fishy, so we worked it out. Yano's out, so all you jerks who think Yano is some kind of fucking, he's gone, so kiss Yano goodbye, and I'm actually happy about that fuck Yano So um, uh,
1: Juice's scenario, maybe uh, has Gavin said anything about Juice here, because he apparently
0: alive. he's alive,
1: so he, he has to win out Ishii and Naito have to lose out, and then Goto has to lose one match
0: Yano and Shingo okay are the only people out he says Taishi's still alive Oh Get Jesus. Scenario. Christ. Get out of here.
1: No. I don't cuz everywhere else says Taichi is out. How could Taichi possibly be in?
0: I, I don't know. He says the only people out are Yano and and Shingo. Let me look for the Taichi scenario. Give me okay. the Goto scenario though from from Super.
1: Okay, so the Goto one's pretty easy. Goto wins out and Naito has to lose at least one match. Cuz Goto's got some pretty big wins here. It's it's pretty surprising for being a, as big of a geek as he is. He's gotten wins over Cobb. He's gotten wins over Ishii. He's got wins over White. He's got wins over Yano. And then he would beat Moxley and took, uh, uh, Shingo on the way out. So that's all that needs to happen. Goto needs to win out, and then Naito at least has to lose one match. There. Does that make sense numbers wise?
0: No, it doesn't because. Uh oh. <laughs> because if Moxley beats Juice, that doesn't work because then Moxley has 12. Oh no, but it'll be tied with Goto. Right. right but what about. But Ishii can. But, but you see, Goto can end up in a bunch of different ties with the 12 points because Ishii can win out easily because Ishii has Shingo and Taichi. So the three way tie, unless Goto wins the three way tie, no, because Goto will have beat Maz. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's but, lost it, but lost to Ishii, right? Goto lost Correct. to Correct. No, 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 no. Who won that match? I can't okay. remember. Okay.
1: Goto beats Ishii.
0: Oh okay so he so so a suit is right
1: Yeah I said Goto has big wins I mean that's the thing about Goto is like even though his point total isn't that high which it is still pretty high in this block he's got wins over Ishii. he's got wins over Jay White, and he's got wins over Yano. So then he would beat Moxley and Shingo, some other two heavy hitters, especially right, Moxley. So, so
0: then he, he would have 12, but have wins over Moxley and Ishii. So at that point, if Goto wins out and Naito loses one. And
1: Naito just has to lose one because Naito's at eight, but if he wins out, he has 12 plus the tiebreaker. But if he wins one, Max for Naito is 10 and then Goto.
0: Right. And then it doesn't even matter what Ishii does at that point because Goto would win a three-way tie with Ishii and Mox. Right, and Goto would
1: have the, Goto would have the tiebreaker over Mox too, so...
0: Goto's gonna do it,
1: <laughs> you know. I'm in.
0: He's gonna do it because listen, if Ibushi's winning this thing, right? You, are they really gonna do Ibushi Naito again? Throw Goto in there. Let me look up that gambling. What makes, site. You, what makes you think that Ibushi's
1: winning this whole thing?
0: I'm saying if if Ibushi's okay, winning, okay, you
1: had a lot of confidence there. You said, like,
0: you. I'm gonna look up that gambling site and, and put some action on this. You okay, keep let's go. These scenarios.
1: All right, so Jay White. Jay White wins.
0: For Goto. Jay,
1: Jay White yeah. has to win out, right. and Goto and Ishii have to lose one.
0: Let me th- think that through. Yeah, think Jay White right wins out.
1: So Goto. Jay White remaining matches, Naito, yeah, Juice Robinson. Robinson. So big matches coming
0: up. And Mox, Mox. No, no, Juice and not Naito, right. But no, 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 he needs Mox to lose one. No, he has the win over Mox. Yeah, but he's a point behind. He's two points behind.
1: I see what you're saying. There's an extra there's an caveat there. You're right.
0: Yes, yes. Mox has 10, White has 8. So White winning he out. Missed, yeah, he
1: did miss that he, one. So he would he would have to at least lose that. one more.
0: See? And so Mox- Suit was cocky. Suit was cocky. And he, <laughs> talked, he did. He talked shit about the G1 math, and he screwed up at least two of these. It's It's hard. Read his little comment. He's like, I don't know why people get confused.
1: Okay, th- okay, that was not him. That was Sean Sedor that said, I don't know why anybody gets confused. And I said, Sean, on a podcast, when you try to work these things out, like yeah. live as this happened, and it's tough. Suit was was less than confident, I will say. He was oh, like, I think I worked them cool. out. I think I got them. Here's what they look like. and We've kind of double-checked them, and yeah, there's some little caveats that we did miss, though.
0: You know but- what? Sean can get lost. I don't see him offering <laughs> up scenarios. <laughs> I that's what I'm saying. It's, okay, people like you and me. It's
1: easy. It's I, easy when you're just kind of tweeting about it and watching yeah, other people go through it. But it's it's difficult when you got to go out there and you got Gavin telling you, actually, Taichi could win yeah, a 19-way I,
0: tie. I get well actually every time I do a show. What does Sean do? He sits there in fucking Pennsylvania and watches his NASCAR and watches the matches. He doesn't put his neck on the line. He's not Kevin Kelly live on the air. He's not Dave Meltzer telling people Naito and Jay White are out. Three nights ago, we Did love Sean. That?
1: By the way, we love Sean. By the way, full disclosure, in case you don't think we're just being.
0: Did you hear that? Uh, Dave Meltzer eliminated Naito and White, <laughs> which that's that's the most secret. Yeah, thing. he's like, oh, they're out. And, and you know the, the funny thing about that is nobody called him out on that because everyone's like, G one math, we understand.
1: Right, right. It's confusing.
0: We're not even going to call it. That,
1: that one's particularly egregious because the entire story of those two guys' matches are that they're still yeah. alive. Dave White wins and then holds up the number three as if he needs three more wins to stay alive. What did Dave think he was doing? Why did Rich. Dave think he was holding up three? And why does he think these two guys who are eliminated are going on insane win streaks at this
0: point? Dave Meltzer could fart. And there's a thousand people complaining that it doesn't smell bad enough. But he fucks this up and no one says a word.
1: <laughs> he eliminates two of the biggest guys still in it's the tournament. Amazing.
0: He eliminates the two guys who it's going to come down to. Let's be honest. Right. And he eliminates them and no one says anything because you know why? G1 math.
1: Because they they don't want to stick their neck out because they're probably wrong too. If they go, oh no, actually the only people still in it are da 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 and da da and then someone replies to them, actually da 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 are still in, and then that guy says, well actually da 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 da-da, and da da are still in. If and it just like continues to go. because like you don't want to like- You don't want to You don't want to tweet it. It's 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 a minefield. Yo,
0: you're gonna be wrong. Yeah, you're gonna be wrong. I would like brain genius Sean Cedar to come on this show and what <laughs> if he thinks it's so easy? Okay. Anyway, you may continue. What do okay, we have here?
1: So we have the white thing, but so we do – we uh, extra caveat to add to that. So he has to win out, go to Ishii, and Moxley have to lose one for white. Does that all check out then?
0: Yeah, I mean, white has to beat Juice and Naito. That will eliminate Juice and Naito. And if Moxley loses, um, yeah, because he has to finish either tied with or ahead of Moxley, and he's behind him now. So, yeah, Moxley right. has to lose at least one.
1: And then he's got the tiebreaker over
0: him, too. but he has to lose it to Juice and not to Goto, right? That's the thing. <sighs> yes.
1: Might, yeah, it's you're right.
0: T- right, because Goto.
1: Goto go has ahead. the tiebreaker over White.
0: Right, so it, that's an, it So the. It, it I'm, I'm
1: Joe Hiroki Goto, I might be in.
0: Yes, I'm telling you. G1 is for Goto. Goto one. I'm holding up the number one. Okay, so. Yeah, anyway, so that was wrong. That's a disaster. What else?
1: All right, Naito wins if he wins out and Mox loses out.
0: Uh,
1: Naito's at eight. He'll have matches against Cobb and Jay White coming up.
0: He beat Ishii, right?
1: Uh, Naito beat Ishii. He beat Goto. Right. He beat Juice.
0: And he will have beaten White if he wins out. Right. So that's correct.
1: Yeah, so he he he's his own destiny. Very,
0: and, uh, so, well, he doesn't control his own. Well, he needs Moxley to lose out.
1: Right, right. He, but the
0: only person here who controls his own destiny is Moxley.
1: Okay, I, I see. I, okay, wrong. Yeah, wrong usage of that. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying now. Okay,
0: right, right, right. If you're using the NFL, this team controls their own destiny. Right,
1: right. That's yeah. like they win and it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're right.
0: That would be right. Mox, Moxley controls his own destiny. But does Goto – is- does Goto control – no, he doesn't because even if Goto beats Moxley – He needs Naito. He still needs He to lose. lose. Right. So Moxley right. – like if when the NFL puts the playoff chart up, right?
1: <laughs> Which is, by the way, also a disaster is having right. Dion Sanders try to work his way through
0: You know it. what? Honest to God, though, even though like division and conference records come into play, I find it so much easier than this. I, I can do those easily in a second. I did them on NFL Intelligentsia. It's like I don't even need to think of. For some reason, even though they're more complicated, I find them more easy. But the point here is, if it was the NFL playoff chart, Moxley would be on top with a little asterisk that says controls his own destiny. All he has to do is keep winning, and he and he advances. Anyway, who's next?
1: And then our last one is John Moxley, as we said, wins out, or he beats Goto and White loses one. Correct. Because he's got. Yeah, he's got the tiebreaker – the big tiebreaker over Naito, which we said was at the so time he he kind of a shocking one here.
0: He can't clinch with his next win because he can still finish tied with White.
1: Correct. Right. So, yeah, he needs White to lose one. He needs to beat Godot or he just wins everything and then he's
0: fine. But here's the thing. If he beats Godot, he eliminates everyone but White.
1: Correct. Man, it's gonna be fun here. I still I, I I still think Naito, but Joe, I've what's the betting line on uh old G1 Goto over there?
0: Well, he's beating Moxley. They're not because they're not eliminating Naito. They're not eliminating Naito before Budokan Hall. No, god there. no, that'd be a very bad idea. Don't do so that. Goto is beating Moxley in a few hours, which means Goto's a real fucking player on the <laughs> final night. How awesome is that?
1: He was right. Night one, he was right. It's the he was G1. right.
0: Goto was right. <laughs> and I would say that no matter what happens on that final night, when he gets in that ring, and look, it's look, he's getting upset by Shingo. They're giving Shingo the big win.
1: Oh, for sure. Shingo's taking his fucking head off, for sure.
0: <laughs> so that's the thing. Like Goto, though, is going to be alive going in that final night, and he's going to silence a lot of doubters, including you, because you're always all over the guy. And he came in, and he—he's going to beat Moxley, and he delivers. He's going to be in that mix, and who knows if Abushi is winning this thing? Why not go toe in the final? That's a perfect final, right? I mean, all
1: right, yeah, no, I love it, yeah. (laughs) The problem though is like, how do you get? Yeah, I don't. It's we're all kind of working, and and that's the thing that all kind of happens during the G one is you kind of work yourself, you work backwards, you pick your scenario, and then you kind of decide how it's all going to work out. And to me, I just can't wrap my head around Naito not going to Wrestle Kingdom and not facing Okada. And you've always brought up the IC title, and I get it. I don't know exactly how to do it, but to me, it'd just be so. I I don't know. It would just like, it just it'd be so odd for Naito to not win this, and and I'm still working out a scenario where he still comes to Wrestle Kingdom, but the two Wrestle Kingdoms. I don't know man there was years and years and years where we had the same conversation about Nakamura well it's about is gonna have to at some point win this thing or he's at some point gonna and they just never did you know he was always the IC champion yeah. and that's what he ended up being and, and we always would work out these scenarios where okay well is probably gonna have to be in the mix or he's gonna have to win this G1 or he's gonna have to do this and it, it never really happened with him right so yeah. I, I don't know I'm not saying Naito is gonna do that but I mean if this year it doesn't happen then that might be that conversation yeah, about that, and I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate if Kodobushi. I'm fine with Kodobushi, Okada, <laughs> Russell Kingdom. That sounds fucking great. But yeah. it's just the the diapers are going to be very soiled if, if if Naito doesn't do this. So.
0: Oh god, forget it. Yeah, but but I think the other thing is you want to have some fun with it. You want to work yourself into a shoot and talk yourself into right. the non.
1: I want the guy peering through the ropes. I want I want Hiroki Goto with you know moving the curtain out of the way so he could peek through and just see what's going on. And you know what? they yeah.
0: never do that. And I wish they did.
1: Yeah. Like in
0: the old days in these tournaments, they'd always have the guy standing in the corner with his arms folded, watching. Right? All the companies did that. New Japan never does that anymore. They never have the guy peeking through the curtain. You know, and that's a great spot. I wish they would do that, but uh, I don't know. You know what's great, it? You know what's awesome? How long do we just spend on the math? 20 minutes?
1: About that, yeah.
0: 90% of the people who listen to this will listen after that. <laughs> know,
1: it's going to be over.
0: Right. And it's going to be the worst segment in the history of radio.
1: <laughs> people love it, man. People would love it. If we did this segment two weeks later, people would still enjoy it. I, I don't know why, but people enjoy it. All
0: music those shows. matches will be over. When they're going <laughs> to that they're gonna listen to that segment going, this is so stupid. It's, it's night in white. <laughs> right. and like, well, what are you talking about?
1: You no, know? G- yeah, <laughs> Toru Ishii is not winning the
0: yeah, what it is, yeah. Morons, yeah, you know, so anyway, but that's, uh, yeah, that's your G1. What do we got left here?
1: There it is. All right. So we got about, a, uh, about 20 minutes or so to get to, uh, the big WWE weekend going on SummerSlam.
0: It's SummerSlam weekend. What's so funny? <laughs> I don't know. You know, uh, WWE, he, he can't handle himself.
1: <laughs> uh, let's talk about takeover first here. Um, All right. there's also this round wrestling weekend too. We might not get to that. Uh, but there's matches and shows going on. I don't know if any yeah, of them are going to stream. We, we kind of talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we talked about it. We got WXW, got Ring of Honor, super, Summer Supercard. We don't need to talk about that because who cares? Uh, Smash, Destiny, Superkicked, Straight Out of Toronto, and, Greek town Wrestling, ever, did, Progress. You think, did, yeah.
0: hey, did you ever think the day would come we would lump in Ring of Honor with OWE, WXW?
1: So, <laughs> I know. I why? thought about it. I was going to say, Joe, they don't deserve it anymore. They do not deserve a full-on, we have to preview their show coming up.
0: Puma King's Lucha Vacation.
1: Yeah, they're, they're right, right there with Puma King and, and a UIPW never say never. So,
0: whatever that is. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> there you go. A lot of stuff going on this weekend. But let's get to the WWE weekend. We'll start with TakeOver Toronto 2 uh, matches here. I'm going to go through them real quickly and then we'll kind of talk about some of the show uh, overall. You have Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai. Uh, NXT Women's Championship, Shayna Baszler defending against Mia Yim. North American Championship, Velveteen Dream defending against Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. The Street Profits defending the tag titles against the Undisputed Era. And then two out of three falls, NXT Championship, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. Joe, what do you think of the TakeOver card?
0: Okay, so Candice LeRae, Io e. Shirai, I'm, I'm glad that they got that onto the TakeOver. I thought that was going to be one of those matches that ended up getting bumped from the TakeOver. Yeah,
1: I think they would end up on that like they tape it for the pre-show and it would end up you know airing the next week i'm so glad i got to the main show because i'm all in on that story
0: that's it yeah they, they've done a great job with that and i think that could be a sneaky good match baszler yim um again very interesting match because baszler is now in there with someone who will hit her right back in the mouth with the story that they've been telling so um so that's an interesting one the Velveteen Dream, Pete Dunne, Roderick Strong. I have not watched, obviously, tonight's NXT because... Yeah, we're a-
1: recording this in the midst right of, of one of the take, uh, of NXT happenings. We don't know what the go-home angles and all that sort of stuff were, but...
0: But without the knowledge of what they did tonight on the show, I don't understand why Roderick Strong is in the match, okay? He he beat Dream in the tag match, right? Correct. So then it all, but then Pete Dunne comes in and... He breaks Roderick Strong's finger and he talks shit to Dream and he he wants to insert himself into the match. Roderick Strong rightly has a gripe and goes to William Regal and says, I want Pete Dunn one-on-one because who the fuck is he to inter- to interject himself in my North American title match? They have a match. Dunne wins. Yeah,
1: beats him. Clean in the middle of the ring.
0: So why is Roderick Strong still in this match? It I doesn't make any sense. So yeah. unless they did something on the go-home that I haven't seen yet, I have a problem with that. So, uh, because look, I was all, I was with Roddy until he demanded the match and then lost it. Now you don't have a grape anymore. Anyway, street profits against Bobby fish and, um, uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah. Yeah. For the, uh, you know, the former red dragon for the tag team titles. And then Adam Cole Gargano, um, The deal with that one is they each pick a stipulation. Gargano picked what? False count anywhere, I think, or
1: Yeah, so I let me let me find out what the final one was because that's an important part that was gonna be
0: it's Street Fight slash false count anywhere. It's one of those deals. And Cole picked wrestling match for his stipulation. So there's no stipulation for the uh second fall, because he claims that he has already defeated Johnny Gargano in a straight wrestling match and he will do it again. So that was a little weird. And then if there is a third fall, William Regal selects the uh, stipulation. So, um, you know, obviously it's going to come down to that third fall. And I just hope the match isn't like an hour long. Kind of worn out on Johnny Gargano.
1: Yeah, this, this has to be the end. I hope that the final stipulation that William Regal says is the loser has to leave, take (laughs) NXT and never, ever come back. Because as much as I don't want Gargano in the main roster, as much as I don't want Adam Cole in the main roster, if he was to go to the main roster or whatever, I just I, I don't enough already of Gargano in NXT, man. Oh, this yeah. guy's had four hundred NXT matches. He's been in a thousand main events. It's like I love you, Johnny, but it's oh, I'm done with it. It's 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 done. Like, it's, loser, it's time to sink or swim.
0: If it's loser leaves, it could very well be Cole because, um, you know, Heyman loves Cole. So
1: yeah. Oh, oh for sure. No, I would. I, I, would you be stunned if if, if it was loser leaves? NXT and Gargano wins. No. And Cole's gone.
0: No, no. We, we were told that there's big plans for Cole on the main roster for WrestleMania. So you got to get that ball rolling now. Right. And get him up there. If you know, that's how it plays out. So, um, yeah, that's that's the takeover card. Did you find that first step? I think it's like Street Fight or
1: something. Yeah, so it's Street Fight. Uh, I was seeing if William Regal announced on this, the takeover that happened today, if he announced what the, the thing was. Yeah. He did not. So that might be a thing where he comes out and says, okay, this is – And yeah, that's, about, a lot of people like, have sort of alluded to it that, that maybe it is, okay, NXT is not big enough for the both of you guys. Whoever loses here, you're done. Like – Right. which I think would be a, a good way to go about this story. It'd be a good way to get one of these guys out of there. But yeah, there is that worry again that like a Gargano wins and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, back to Gargano on NXT. It's just like I, I'm sick of, of of that story. I hope Gargano loses. I hope Cole stays in NXT. Gargano goes to the main roster, but who, who the hell knows. But uh, real quickly, I wanted to touch on the, the Baszler Mia Yim. I always said that like every single month when we talk about these takeovers, every single big time we talk about these takeovers, I always say I want Shayna Baszler to win the title until that person that's going to defeat her. I feel good about that person. I feel like that person deserves to beat her. That person is worthy of the championship. That person is better than Shayna Baszler. Do you feel that about Mia Yim? Do you think now is the time to have her win because I, I got I can't I I I don't know if I feel it all the way. I don't know if I do.
0: Yim is awesome. I I don't know if they've built her up to the point where I'm right. like salivating for her to win the title yet though.
1: Right. So That's no. what I mean. Like I want to know like I want it to be v- so blatantly obvious that you cannot deny that this person is better that is ready to carry the mantle, whatever of the women's division in NXT. I want it to feel like that. And I yeah. don't know that Mia Yim feels like that right now.
0: I don't think Yim is winning unless Baszler is coming up, but th- this will be the time she loses that. Cause we always say that Baszler could lose. And then, mm-hmm. you know, she always finds a way to win, but yeah, I'm with you. Like I-, I, like Yim, and I think Yim, but, but I don't feel like they've heated her up properly.
1: Right. Maybe by the next takeover, maybe she gets really pissed. And then by the next takeover, it's like, all right, no, it's undeniable that Yim is the person that's going to beat her. But I, I don't know. Right now, I just don't feel it as much. And and, and like I said, I, I, I don't feel comfortable picking anybody against Baszler until I'm ready to say, okay, that person is definitively ready to take over this division, and Basler's done. And I, I'm not feeling about Yim right now. So it's going to be a hell of a match, though, no matter what. But
0: I got to tell you, I'm even less excited about women getting called up. I cannot stand the main roster women's divisions. They're awful.
1: Oh, it fucking stinks. Yeah, it's it awful. Stinks. And someone like Shayna Baszler, unfortunately, like, I, and, and and that's the thing that's most troubling about her is that we know what she's capable of doing. Yeah. She's going to be done the fucking second Vince McMahon lays an eye on her. You know what I mean? Here's
0: the thing. This is weird. I can see him pushing her. But uh... I just, I just don't like, like, last year, the women's division was great. This year it fucking is awful. It stinks. It is unwatchable trash. Both shows. I can't take it. Um, too much Alexa Bliss, number one. She's awful. She stinks. Um, it's just, you know, Nikki Cross is goofy. Um, I just, it's just, you know, Charlotte's been out of the mix for the most part, but she's getting back into the mix now. And Charlotte was, you know, every pay-per-view, she was money last year. right? And, you know, she was a big part of that. And, you know, they were having great match. Oh God! Like and these other your Mandy Roses and your – this is ugh, I can't take it. No, I- <laughs> it's no juice and and a lot of them stink, and um, you know, it's just a lot of it's so hard to watch. So it, it I don't want any of these MXT winning get – I think they have, I, you know, it's it's like worse for them than the men right now.
1: Oh, for sure. No, and 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 the thing is, is like there felt like years where it was like this women's division had changed and it was all about what was going on in the ring and who had great matches and stuff. And that's what made Sasha Banks so pissed off when this fucking tag team title thing happened. And they're like, ah, you know, we're going to be iconics because they're funny and they're cute and, and people like them or whatever. And it's like, that's not okay. Like what do we, what do we just do the last four years? Why are we just going back to just this thing? And, and, and I I have no, I, I honestly have zero confidence that Vince McMahon is going to see Shayna Baszler and think that that's, I mean, you mentioned it right there. Go over the names that have won titles, go over the names that have been pushed the last year in WWE, how many of them are what you would consider, how many of them don't make very good Instagram content that they like to post on the website?
0: I I mean, Bailey doesn't really like that. I guess Bailey,
1: there's one Nikki. You got Bailey and, and Nikki
0: and Becky doesn't do that stuff, but she could, I mean, she's obviously very attractive. Um, And that's not to say that
1: nobody. I mean, like that's not like Sasha Banks is obviously a very attractive, and they still pushed her. But I'm not saying it's only that. But I'm saying that there has been a lot more of the
0: obviously always a major component. And you're right. You
1: a little bit more of the Lacey Evans types. The iconics are are there because obviously of a reason. Alexa Bliss is getting way over pushed, and she stinks. But they like the Bliss. I'm not saying it's all looks. I'm just saying that there's there seems to be another re-emphasis on that a little bit. In yeah. a lot of ways, and the archetype that I think offensive man likes and yeah, thinks yeah, that
0: they, is they never push Ruby Riot, right she's kind of you know different kind of look, be polite um I, yeah I mean that, that's there's always going to be an element to that I mean that's never oh, for sure, you know um, but yeah, I don't know, I think Basler. <sighs> I don't know. The I...
1: bigger picture is that this division just absolutely fucking stinks. <laughs> and that the, the idea is that when Baszler comes up, even if Vince doesn't see her and go, oh God, what the hell is that? Like that, that it's just going to be, she's going to be doing goofy bullshit and in a team with some stupid random person. Yeah, you know, like that's that's what it's going to be. She's going to come up and then just be like the tag team partner of, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like they name what? some random woman that's just floating around not doing anything. That'll be Baszler's partner. And then they'll just have like very normal tag matches.
0: Well, you know, the fucking Kabuki Warriors.
1: Right. Yeah, you can't Kyrie Sane called up. Ah, eh, there's Asuka. She's Japanese. There you go.
0: Did you see the last time they were on? They put Eoshiri's uh um, <laughs> Twitter at instead of Kairi close Sane. enough.
1: They're all the same, right? It's unbelievable. It's come on. Jesus Christ. This is the stuff like I'm telling you, we're in two thousand WCW with WWE. It's stuff like this. Books are written about, podcasts are done about this sort of stuff, making fun of WCW, and it is a monthly occurrence. On WWE television, these
0: there, days, you know, there are two thousand WCW with the TV deal that saved it,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, except <laughs> Fusion Media did buy it, and everything was yeah. fine. And TNT and Jimmy Kellner said, "You know what? I like WCW. Keep it on the air. I don't care."
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's bad, like the on-screen. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. uh, TV's gotten a little better. Got to be fair, but you know, I mean,
1: we did we did have somebody try to kill Roman Reigns with a car backstage. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, you still have that. Yeah, and the fucking scaffold that fell off. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> but all right, the, let's let's I get to it. I, I said a little better, Rich. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. A full endorsement, you know, I,
1: anyway. WWE Summerslam, the Summer Spectacular from uh World Wrestling Entertainment Joe, uh Sunday nights. Drew Gulak versus Oni Lorcan for the cruiserweight can, championship. Can I cut you off. Yeah.
0: Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You only have ten matches listed. I know there's like sixteen matches. I'm it. sure they're
1: gonna add like forty-five more. Uh okay. if if they didn't rip up the summer uh, the uh, uh SmackDown script. Like 25 times before that show went on the air, there probably would have been a few more. But as of this recording, there is only those matches. But uh, expect okay. many, many, many more to be added over the next few days. So.
0: All right, so we're running short. I'll give you my pithy thoughts as you name every match.
1: Please. Okay, Drew Gulak, Oney Lorcan.
0: Okay, I haven't seen 205 Live yet from yesterday, but obviously this was the direction they're going, and I think that has a chance to be Great.
1: Dolph Ziggler versus Bill Goldberg.
0: Okay, so this is funny because Dave Meltzer got accused of falsely reporting that it was going to be Dolph Ziggler versus right. Bill Goldberg when it was announced as Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz. Dave said, I never reported that, though, but it is going to be Dolph Ziggler versus Bill <laughs> Dol- Goldberg. <laughs> and then it turned out to be Dolph Ziggler versus Bill Goldberg. So the Dave haters got like – they.
1: Well, thankfully, though, they all apologized. Very, They said, Dave, we apologize. You were right. Are bad. So Dave, that was nice to see. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. The <laughs> what's funny about that is the Dave haters were wrong twice on one thing. Like he right. never reported that, and that ended up being the match anyway. So they they looked like fucking complete idiots twice. But anyway, we're getting Dolph Ziggler versus Bill Goldberg. So um yeah.
1: I hope Goldberg just squashes his geek in thirty seconds and sends him packing.
0: I I mean <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen. You can't have a ten
1: think... minute back and forth Dolph Ziggler Bill Goldberg match, can you?
0: No, that's, no. The, the showstopper or whatever he calls himself isn't going to show. What does he call this him? Show Steeler, the
1: Show Stealer. Yeah, yeah. Show Stealer. He's Topper here to steal the is, show.
0: Yeah. Shawn Michaels. Yeah, but he's essentially I mean, just he's a dollar
1: gonna... store Shawn Michaels anyway, so it's fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's not going to go in there and have a fifteen minute match with Bill Goldberg. So, yeah, I think you're hopefully getting not. Hopefully, again. but yeah.
1: Uh, Charlotte Flair versus Trish Stratus.
0: Hey, listen. If you're bringing Bill Goldberg back, you know, but. Um, this is interesting from the perspective of you know this is in their canon is like the icon from the from the uh, diva era versus the dominant force of the whatever the women's revolution. So it's an interesting match. I want to see if Trish still has it, you know. So um, I'm actually kind of interested in that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if I have the same there might be a fan that that works too. There might be a fan that really buys into, oh my God, it is like you said, it is is a generation versus a generation or whatever. I I don't know. I don't have that same feel for it whatsoever. Like it, to me, this feels kind of cold, and I 'm not that into it. I hope they have a good match. I know Trish is obviously one that that, that trains and gets ready for those big tight matches. We saw at evolution she was she was great. she had some great interactions with, with, with Sasha Banks and some others and too. So I know that they're going to do everything they can to have a great match. I just i don't know to me i just I'm not excited about it. I just don't really feel it the same way some other people might feel it. so yeah,
0: I hear you.
1: Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor now, you were, <laughs> Joe I'm- what year is this?
0: This, remember, you're supposed to do the Sister Abigail thing, and that match never happened. Right. We're right back to that feud.
1: The Sister Abigail versus the demon. That's right. The demon, the demon Finn Balor. So.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. What do you want Who me to Who fucking do cares?
1: Move on. Yeah. AJ Styles, Ricochet, U.S. title.
0: Okay, so I hope this is better than the last one, which was slightly underwhelming. Um, but that's sort of been the pattern for AJ Styles. All of his matches are a little underwhelming, and it might just be. That that's how AJ whelms now. That might be the, where he's at. That might be AJ's level now. Right. We've been saying this for two years. It's like, but when does he, when has he delivered? It's always, oh, that was a little underwhelming. Right, they, yeah, we
1: can't do these three years of AJ Styles. Oh, man, that wasn't quite what I expected. Like, well, no, right. stop expecting that.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe this is what AJ is. So, um, you know, he's in there with fucking Ricochet. I mean, there's no reason this can't be a match-of-the-year contender, right? Right, so, but
1: I'm not going to bet for it because I saw these no, guys have a match and it wasn't a match-of-the-year contender. But
0: that's what I want out of them. So maybe I'm setting myself up to be underwhelmed again. So maybe that's our fault too. I don't know, but we'll see. I just hope it's a little better than the last one, which was a very good match, but it wasn't a great match. Yeah. And it should be – when these two guys wrestle, it should be a great match.
1: Right, this should this should be a notebook match. This should be one that you always remember for the rest of the year, and, and I don't think anyone's going to remember their last match, so let's hope that uh, this one does. It. I
0: don't even think it was very good. Like, I it was good. It, well, I don't even know. Very good is too strong.
1: No, it wasn't very good. It was It was,
0: it was kind of boring. And yeah, I, uh, Yeah. so I hope it's a lot better than that one.
1: Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens. If Kevin Owens loses, he must quit world wrestling entertainment do do this shit? does anyone Forever.
0: Is, there, is there even a nine-year-old watching who in- no who Cares. i mean why do <laughs> can we move on i don't i can't even talk about it i Shane man i can't i just
1: <laughs> <laughs> shano mac maybe. let's go the best part about this is kevin owens is going to definitely take some like hellacious bump that no one's going to remember ever again Shane McMahon will take a hellacious bump that nobody will remember ever again it's just like you guys are so stupid. You guys are idiots. You're going to fall through a table, and no one's going to fucking remember it a day
0: later. Great question for you. Gun to your head. Your life depends on it. What's the better match? Shane versus Owens or AJ versus Ricochet? And think about it.
1: Shane versus Owens,
0: for sure. It might be, right?
1: (laughs) Because they're going to do silly shit and fall through tables, and I'm going to enjoy it in the moment. Like, it'll never matter after that day, but these two guys are going to go out there and kill each other because they're idiots. All right. So I agree. Yeah, I definitely put that down. Uh Bailey Ember Moon for the SmackDown Women's Championship.
0: Uh, yeah, it has a chance to be really good. I <laughs> listen, I don't know what are you laughing at. I'm trying here. I mean I you know
1: you're doing it. a good job. You're doing a good job. I, I, I commend your uh, your attempt here. All right, so let's move on. That's Becky Lynch versus Natalia. You really have,
0: that's it. No more on the Bailey Ember Moon. Uh, do you
1: I mean do you have any more? Go ahead. Go ahead. The floor I don't is yours, know. sir. I was
0: going to say it has a chance to be very good, but I think <laughs> I, have a chance to be very good. I have always been someone for a full decade who has thought Ember Moon is a little overrated, but I, she's not, not like she's bad or anything, but that is a chance, to, it has a chance to be good. Okay, you've shamed me into moving on to the next match.
1: Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Natalia in a submission match is for the Raw women's title.
0: Nobody wants to watch Natalia in a submission match. Okay. <laughs> the we'll Sharpshooter
1: sharp oh, is over, man. I, we'll I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
0: I'll have Samoa Joe to blame for this, for Eternity, for, you know, Natalia is going to be there and pushed until she chooses not to be anymore. And it's all Samoa Joe's fault. And, you know, what can you do? So now we have to watch Natalia in a submission match against Becky Lynch. Disarmer versus the uh, Scorpion Deathlock. Right. The man. Like, he's not Sting's niece, so I guess it's the sharpshooter. You're right. Okay. Move on.
1: <laughs> Kofi Kingston versus Randall Orton for the WWE Championship.
0: Kofi Kingston, in my opinion, has not had one good title defense. And Randy Orton, I don't know. That be- <laughs> is I-
1: Randy Orton. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I mean, this Kofi Kingston title run has not been good. It hasn't been interesting. Um, so, I, you know, Randy Orton isn't the cure for that disease. You know what I'm saying? So, um, we'll see. But could it be good? Sure. I mean, you know. Randy has a good – you see Randy tweeting out? He's holding his wife's titties. I like that, though.
1: I was going to say, yeah, Randy's got to get off a boat and stop uh, grabbing his wife. <laughs> if he's gonna, like if I'm him, way. I'm not showing up to SummerSlam because that looks a lot better than whatever yeah, the hell is going to happen of- at SummerSlam. I'd he's, go on a boat a lot- and
0: – listen. He's on a boat with a handful of fucking D cups. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm not right. I'm not going back to land if that's my two choices, or go here have a wrestling match, or go do right. what he's doing on that boat. I mean, yeah, I'll take the boat over that for sure. So
0: Yeah, man, he's, a, a lot of I love the energy of that tweet. But anyway.
1: Yeah. The um, wife uh RKOing him off the boat too. Did you see that? Like they're yeah, on the true. time of their lives.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Who's coming Absolutely. back for that? Yeah.
0: What a couple. Those are th- – what do the kids say, Rich? Those are goals, right? Those
1: are goals. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I like the idea in the story that they've told that Becky Lynch is <laughs> their biggest, like, women's star, but they're putting her up against Natalia in Canada, and Becky's, like, talking shit about Canada in the buildup to it. So are they leaning into the heel thing because they know what's going to happen anyway? Or are they just dumb and they don't understand? Oh, but Rich,
0: here's the thing. This company fucking sucks. That's what you're forgetting. Ah, uh-uh. right, right. Right. Yeah. okay they don't you know it's fucking it's it's it's. i don't card. know
1: that i'd elicit like the bo- i would try my best to sort of and if it happens if the crowd does boo then so be it then you kind of adjust but i would try to maybe you know, you
0: not it's bizarro world <laughs> <Right.
1: Yeah. laughs> they, it's not bizarre she's making fun of canada and talking shit about them of course right, they're gonna boo. Go
0: so. you know, they're, 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 they're still gonna blame the fans and not themselves you know it's it's that's the way they do things you're yeah. supposed to cheer her even though she's taking a shit on you, you right know? that's probably other logic you, you, you come on what are you, new at this?
1: I know, you're right, you're right, you're right. But yeah, Kofi and Randy, uh, Joe has a chance to be a good man. This I will uh, undoubtedly get overrated by like 90% of the people on Twitter. Okay. We'll talk about Randy Orton being... Oh, that's a like professional's professional. <laughs> you know, the same, like, I feel like everybody just has those tweets loaded up and ready to go anytime Randy Orton's done. Like, the, the the globalization of Randy Orton's just a wrestler's wrestler. He just gets it. That guy just understands how to work the WWE style. Like, you know, like, that's the same tweets just get generated and spit out every single time. He has one of these dull, fucking boring-ass side headlock matches that everybody just goes, Ah, this guy just gets it. He just understands how to work. And,
0: okay. it's, it's, but there's an equal number of people who just, you know they think he's the worst fucking thing on earth. I just think he's average. You know what I mean? It's like, right. I don't think he's terrible, you know, and but I don't think he's like this super worker where you listen to like Jim Cornette or Dave Meltzer and they tell you, they think that this guy's like, you know, they think he's Kazuchika Okada, but and they really do. They think he's like, you know, one of the best workers in this generation. Even Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman loves him too, but it's like Gabe Sapolsky. Remember he did that kayfabe commentaries thing?
1: Oh yeah, and he would build the entire company around Randy Orton. Yeah, he had Randy Orton coming in as like a 21 year old and just running the entire yeah. company off the <laughs> the map as like the yeah. superstar they of all superstars. Rebooked, yeah, they
0: had him rebook WWE, Cw, and he picked Randy Orton as you know push him to the fucking moon. That's we picked. So it's like all these people love him. I'm I'm not with them, but I'm also not with the people who think he's like I don't think he's a shitty pro wrestler. That's ridiculous.
1: No, no, he's not shitty. He's just like. He's exactly competent to WWE style. Like people yeah. can go over the top with that praise, but he knows the style. He knows what is going to give him backpats when he walks through the curtain, and he does exactly that style to, that Triple H and Vince McMahon stand up and go, "Oh, great job, Randy! Perfect match!" Like you know what I mean? He knows what he's
0: doing. He's smart. And here's what he does too: the bare minimum.
1: Just yeah. the- he's not taking bumps through tables. Kevin Owens is going to take a fucking flip bump through a table and, and not be able to walk when he's fifty, and no one's going to care. And Randy Orton's going to be on his boat. <laughs> fucking around with his wife when he's 50 and 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 not be any worse for the wear yeah. at all. Yeah. So good for him, I guess. Uh, and then Brock Lesnar versus the Beast Slayer, Seth Rollins, for the Universal Championship. Brock Lesnar, of course, defending the title against Seth Rollins after beating his ass on consecutive weeks. Joe, any doubt in your mind that Brock Lesnar just goes here and beats the ass off Seth Rollins again and beats him?
0: Well, I am a Brock fan, and I'll be rooting for him in this match, but I don't really care about talking about this. What I want to know is... Does this feel like a big SummerSlam to you or no?
1: Not at all. Me Zero buzz. Me Zero buzz.
0: This does not feel like a big show at all.
1: And I, mean, I love SummerSlams, man. We have had, like, this is the first year I just realized that as we were getting closer to this week, that my buddies and I always get together for SummerSlam. It's like an end of summer thing. I have people come over, we barbecue, we do some, nobody's even mentioned it, and I even forgot to bring it up. <laughs> I was like, it was today, and I was like, well, it's too late. People already probably made plans. Like, Every year we've had one of these, and it's this year we're not doing it. It's just and, and there's not even like nobody's even asked me. Hey, are we doing the thing again? It was just like eh, nobody's ever gonna, yeah. Nothing.
0: If this if this were the pay-per-view era, I'd predict a very low buy rate for this. Oh, for because sure. There, there's nothing going on. Uh, you know, it's just the matches don't feel none of these matches feel hot.
1: We've seen, I mean, honestly, we've seen Brock and Seth a bunch of times, we've seen Kofi versus Orin a bunch of times, we've seen Becky and Natalia feels like a bunch of times, I might be wrong. Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens. I mean, come on, what the hell? Uh, AJ Styles ricochet we saw last month. Bray White and Finn Balor had like a six month feud. What a year and a half ago. Charlotte and Trish. That's unique. That's different. Dolphin, Bill Goldberg. That's unique. That's different. But are Charlotte and Trish and Dolphins and and Goldberg like really the matches that you're like? Well, they're different, and I need to watch this. I mean, no, I don't think so.
0: I I don't think it's a terrible card on paper.
1: No, I, I I like the card on paper, but like it doesn't inspire. Like what? you said confidence you
0: like the card on paper it's you just not play? bad no it's not
1: bad I mean I don't care because it's gonna suck I'm just well, saying I, I like it on paper
0: I, I don't think it's a bad card on paper I, and, and there's some stuff here I, I have some morbid curiosity about like Goldberg and Trish and Brock as always but I don't feel like any of the matches are, 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 are hot I look I'll tell you what if three or four of these matches fucking click this will be a good show though if AJ Ricochet is good And Shane and Kevin Owens kill themselves. And Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton happen to have a really good match. And, you know, this could be a pretty good show.
1: Well, they got a lot of the shit out of here. There's no Lacey Evans. There's no Baron Corbin. There's not a boring-ass Braun Strowman spear somebody through the barricade match. Like, that's not happening. Like, you know, yeah, they've kind of cleaned out a lot of the garbage on this. And this is like a lot of the best workers like Dan Bryan's, not there. Roman Reigns isn't there at, at, at the like, time of well, this recording.
0: You, you only have, a, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure there's like 16 matches on this thing, but they haven't finalized.
1: They've, yeah, couple. it's 10 official matches. So I don't want to say any ones that aren't, but like they've kind of cleaned out a lot of the Baron Corbins, the Lacey Evans, and some of the shit that they were running for a lot of, <laughs> of the summer and spring is kind of gone. And, and, and the result is like every match, yeah. Like you said, has a chance to be pretty good. There doesn't seem like there's not one match on this card that I go, oh, that's going to fucking suck. Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt's going to fucking suck. Except for that match. Everything else has a chance to be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, will it all be pretty good? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Some of them are, aren't going to, you know, Gulak, Lorcan, if it's on the main show, is gonna that's guaranteed to be good. And then some of the others, you see if they hit. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good wrestlers.
1: All right. I think we lost Joe there. I don't know what happened to his connection, but that's fine because we were wrapping up anyway. So anyway, <laughs> that's it for that. Uh, VoiceWrestling.com slash Patreon. Uh, as We're going to want to go for all of our uh, uh, Patreon content and all of our exclusive bonus content as well. Like I said, Joe Lanza doing the daily G1 updates. I'm doing my Boys of Summer Series, going through SummerSlam main events. Joe's got the TV reviews. We got Q&As, a bunch of other stuff going on on VoicesWrestling.com slash Patreon or Patreon.com slash VoicesWrestling at VoicesWrestling on Twitter. Voices of voice of Wrestling.com slash forums, voices the actual website itself for all the columns, reviews, previews, all the stuff going on this WrestleMania weekend, previews of SummerSlam, previews of takeover, reviews of both those shows, reviews of the G1 shows, all you can possibly want at voiceswrestling.com. And also make sure you subscribe to the entire voice wrestling podcast network. If you're just listening to the Voice Wrestling Flagship, you are missing out on a lot of other great stuff. The Burt Rest Roundtable, Music of the Mat, Wrestling Omakase, Super J Cast. Everything elite. I mean, just a, a a a number of awesome podcasts. Shake them ropes. Good stuff up and down the podcast network. So make sure you're subscribing to that. And if you are a subscriber on Apple or Google or wherever, whatever your podcast app is, if you can give us a review, both the podcast network and the flagship, it will help us all tremendously. Anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich great We'll see you next time on the Voice Wrestling flagship podcast. Take care.
2: I need a short break. Hold on one second. Okay.